This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends new cartridges before you run out. So you never have to think about ink. For details, visit hp.com slash instant ink Spotify. Conditions apply. podcast which focuses on playing warmer 40k competitively at all levels of the game i'm your host pd pop and today we're going to talk some tournament news and i'm going to review the chaos index with my special guest alexis ego queen um you may have heard of her she is a youtube uh i would say youtube 40k enthusiast uh she does tactics she does battle reports um she she does uh a podcast adeptus podcastist with two other great co-hosts um she also uh, does fluff, painting, the works, everything. Um, I'm not going to include her for this part. We're just going to talk some tournament news. Uh, there's not a lot going on in terms of the tournament world going on um, for this weekend. As you're listening to this, I will be attending the Hammer of Wrath, which is our big West Coast event. Um, should be a lot of fun. Reese, Frankie, myself, and Brandon are all going to be going. We're all bringing really competitive, hard-hitting lists. Um, and then, of course, Brandon Grant, the guy who won the BAO, he won last year's Hammer of Wrath. Um, so he will be attending, uh, and I imagine a lot of other really solid West Coast players are going to end up going. So it should be a really competitive event. It usually is. That area is known for having really competitive players. So I, I imagine it's going to be a lot of fun. On top of that, uh, we have a few other events going on. Um, I believe the, uh, let me triple check um, with a buddy of mine. I believe there's an event in Canada going on. There's a, shoot, not the Feast of Blades. That's not, that's an old event. That's not around anymore. Um, The Capital City Bloodbath, that's what it's called. Uh, The Capital City Bloodbath, which is being run up in Canada. I'm not sure if that's this weekend, but I'm pretty sure it's next weekend. Um, So that should be a lot of fun. Uh, it's another large Canada event. Uh, Logan McLaren um, will be running it. Logan is a guy who went to the LVO. He's uh, in kind of the 40k community. And then of course, Dan Platt's probably going to be there. Dan Platt from Canhammer, uh, the Team team Canada captain, the best of the Canadians in the competitive 40k world, uh, made the top eight at the LVO. So that's going to be another game, another event I love to cover. Um, and I believe there's one more missing. Um, next week I will cover it, though, or next week I will announce it or say it's being covered one way or the other. I have a list, uh, but that's basically it. Um, we're winding down until Nova, uh, the road to Nova. We actually just got our Nova pairings um, for the Nova Invitational. For those of you who don't know what the Nova Invitational is, it's essentially uh, Mike Brandt, the guy who runs Nova. He invites 32 of the best players that he possibly can to get to Nova. Um, he invites the best of the best. And then they get seeded uh, 1 to 32 impartially. Um, so Nova doesn't just ra- arbitrarily seed them. They, they're, uh, there's a council of people who who seed the players 1 to 32, rank them. Uh, I was invited this year 
I don't know why. I haven't won a tournament. Um, maybe it's because of this podcast. Maybe because he thinks he likes my battle reports. Maybe because he wants to see Reese cry if I do end up playing Reese. Um, either way, I was invited. I'm very grateful for that. Uh, it should be a lot of fun every year. It looks like a blast. It's a 32-man single elimination four-round tournament bracket. And you can actually view this bracket. I have it up on the website, frontlinegaming.org. You can make predictions there. Uh, you can, you know, take a look at some of the big names that are going to this tournament. Talk about it. Have fun. It should be a blast. And, of course, during Nova at the end of the month, you can watch it on Twitch live. Uh, there's already been there's been some amazing moments that we love talking about that were live streamed. Um, one in particular, it's Frankie beating Brett Perkins, the guy who won uh, the LVO, this year's LVO. Uh, that was, it was great. Um, anyways... Nova Invitational should be a lot of fun. I was seated in 32nd place, um, which is, you know, the, out of 32 out of 32 people um, means I'm the 32nd best player in 40k, uh, apparently. I'm, I'm just joking. Obviously, I'm not. I'm clearly not. Uh, but I, I was seated dead last, and I'm playing the number one seed, Nick Nanavati, uh, who won the Nova Invitational last year. Um, so I've got my work cut out for me, but, uh, you know, it should be a lot of fun. I've never played Nick before. I'm looking forward to just playing, you know, playing with him and brushing elbows with someone who's who's done so well in the 40k community. Um, especially I, you know, especially Nick Nanavati, a guy who who's won multiple multiple big tournaments. Um, and on top of that, I actually had Nick on the podcast last year. It's almost it'll be it'll have been almost a year and a few months that I had Nick come on the podcast. So if you want to go into the Chapter Tactics archive on FrontlineGaming.org on any of my show notes, uh, you can find the link to all of my episodes. So if you want to click on that, go listen to Nick's um, episode. I believe it's called Champ Talk. Um, if you want to listen to that, should be a lot of fun. And then um, finally, before we talk about Hammer of Wrath, or before I talk about Hammer of Wrath, uh, I just want to give a quick shout out to those of you who are emailing me. You are all not only patient intelligent wonderful people um but you're also helping me out uh when you ask me questions rules questions tactics questions um someone asked me if i was any good at tau and i said well i can read i can read the tau index i've played against tau um but i'm not i wouldn't say i'm like hyper you know knowledgeable of the tau faction um but i was able to read through the tau codex answer his question help him out i think um just i i think even if you don't know, you don't have to know every faction to be good at 40k. I feel like you just need the general idea of how the meta works. Um, you know, you can kind of generalize what lists do. There's like horde lists, there's shooty lists, there's mobile shooting lists, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So if you can kind of, if you can kind of break down lists to what they do to their core, um, you can kind of decide like how does my list deal with this, right? Uh, so that's something to keep in mind. Um, I get asked that question a lot, like, like even though I play all the Ultramarines, like, can you help me out with, you know, your my Gene Circle army or my, my Tau army? Um, and the answer is yes, yes, I can. I will do my absolute best. I will tell you what I know about the meta um, and my opinions, and I will look through the index, and I will do my absolute best to give you the best possible advice. Um, and if you want to email me, you can email me at frontlinegamingpdpab at gmail.com you can also find that email on once again on frontlinegaming.org in the show notes for chapter tactics um you just need to go there click on it should be if you're listening to this this weekend which is going to be the 12th and the 13th of august um it should be one of the very first things up there on the first page uh so go and email me i love getting people's lists i get love getting people's insights like i said it helps me it helps you guys it helps our community grow um it's awesome so 
Hammer of Wrath. Uh, I have a list, and I will be posting it online. Uh, in addition to the Nova Challenge uh, bracket, where you can predict and look at the, the Nova Invitational bracket, um, my list is going to be Gilliman, uh, Company Commander in a Battalion Detachment with an Ultramarine Lieutenant, uh, four Grey Knight Strike Squads, two 20-man Conscript Blobs, a Calexus Assassin, a Calidus Assassin, two Whirlwind Hyperioses, um, which are the Forge World Whirlwind. Uh, look them up for Space Marines. They're really good. Um, two Cyclopses. And then a Spearhead Detachment with Sergeant Cronus. Five Rapier rapier Batteries. Uh, three with Quad Heavy Bolters. Two with Quad Mortars. And then one Whirlwind for Sergeant Cronus to ride in. Uh, and then that's it. That's the list. Uh, it's really, really killy. I ran a list similar to it. I've been running a list similar to it for a while now. Um, it is actually... This is the list I've been developing other than the Three Knight list and the Three Knight and Gilliman list, which is like like the list I ran for, not for fun, but for like, like to play competitively at some level. Um, I recently did sell most of my Ultramarines, so I don't have a big collection. So this is kind of a list I've been working on building. I, I learned how to airbrush and I've been painting it. It's kind of like, it's it's the list that, that I want to have a personal attachment to, right? So um, it's obviously a very competitive list. It's a cheesy. I don't think it's it's not like Brimstone spam or Storm Raven spam or Assback spam, which is Assault Cannon Razorback spam. Um, so it's not like a super spammy list. You can you can argue that the Rapier quad uh, weapons are pretty spammy because I'm running five of them, but I'm running three of one kind and two of another, and they're not they're not too good. They're really good, but they're not they're not amazing. Um, with Gilliman, obviously it's the some of the top, but as we all know by now, Gilliman is not the most competitive unit in the Space Marine Codex. Or at least he's not Gilliman is probably the most competitive unit, but uh, using Gilliman might not always be the best idea now um, with the emergence of both the Salamander's chapter tactics uh, and the Primaris or the regular Lieutenant, which is a 60 point HQ uh, with combined with the captain gives you reroll to hit and to wound rolls of one, which is almost a Gilliman buff, but way for way less points. Um, so I think more people are going to be moving away from Gilliman. Um, also his world trait is really good. Uh, the world, the Ultramarine's world trait. However, um, the Storm of Fire Warlord trait, which I seriously considered taking over Gilliman's plus three command points, um, which he doesn't give you if he's not your Warlord, uh, basically it gives you a bubble of on sixes, your weapon has a minus one, adds an extra minus one to its AP value, which is insane. That's crazy. Um, especially when you're spamming when you're spamming the number of shots that I have um, with the redundant strength five and strength sixes that are they're wounding most things on either threes or fives um, it's just it's really really powerful um, anyways the list it, it's it's not optimized um, there are some things that I am hiding uh, not because not because I I want to like like stop people from list tailing me at Nova um, and not because I don't want to share it with you guys um, but because I don't really know where where my list stands right now um, and I kind of want to just like work it out myself um, and when when I put lists out there you know people people tend to like they te you know they tend to like pick at it and and uh, you know find tweaks and improvements and I feel like that might end up like not putting me on tilt but kind of like take me away from what I want to do um, so you know just I'm, I'm hiding it basically um, it's not that much different from this list it's probably maybe like 400 points different from this list so you have a general idea of what i'm going to be running um and i do want to know what you guys think what you guys think about the list the assassins you know just this list not the not the list i'm hiding but the, anyways so this is going to be my hammer of wrath list uh it should be a lot of fun 
Um, if you're wondering why I have the Grey Knight Strike Squads, um, or why I don't, why I have the Strike Squads instead of Grey Knight Interceptor Squads, um, the reason being is Strike Squads are cheaper. Um, I, I'm trying to go for like an MSU list where nothing costs, you know, more other than Gilliman, nothing costs more than like 130, 120 points. Um, and then hopefully Gilman doesn't die for big game hunter and stuff. And then I, I'm trying to put as many units on the board to threat overload my opponent. And the reason why I brought strike squads uh, or gray knights units is because I needed to be able to get out to my opponent's backfield and deal with things on their side of the board. And gray knight strike squads do that so well. Uh, they have four storm bolter shots each in rapid fire range. They can deep strike. Uh, they their power weapons do D3 damage each, which is incredible. Um, they have psychic powers. They can kill brimstone horrors by doing three mortal wounds to them with smite, which is crazy. On top of that, they also get to reroll to wound against brimstone horrors, which is insane. Um, and if I if I want, I can actually cut the ultramarine lieutenant and the cyclopses, which I actually I just realized I think I should have done instead, and the company commander. And I could have ran a uh, gray knight detachment with uh, with excuse me with um. I'd also have to take Gilliman out too, so maybe it's not worth it. But it gives me the option of creating a Grey Knight detachment uh, to take advantage of their stratagems, which, as you're listening to this podcast, have been released officially. Um, so uh, the Grey Knights just they bring a lot to the table. They bring a lot to the table for any immobile, shooty army, um, especially one that needs to get up to the board easily. Uh, the Cyclopses, the two Cyclopses, um, I am running those for a very specific purpose, uh, but, but also I'm trying them out. I kind of want to get a feel for them. Um, if you guys watched my game against Brandon Miner, the painter, uh, Harlequins, I, I tabled him at the top of at the bottom of two. Uh, pretty much, I think it left him with one HQ choice. It was really bad. It was really unlucky on his part, and I was rolling pretty hot. Um, but the where was I going with this? The basically the point is is um watch that list to see how it works and the cyclopses had potential to do real damage like one cyclops did a lot of damage and then one cyclops if i didn't fail a three up re-rolling with the command point um would have done even more damage would have done d3 mortal wounds to six units which is an orbital bombardment it's a perfectly accurate orbital bombardment that's crazy um so cyclopses i think they have the potential to be uh really good models i don't see enough people using them um so you know if you have one take away one thing from this entire podcast it's cyclopses are really good and you should probably think about picking a few up um anyways we're gonna go ahead and jump to commercial bake real quick uh and then we'll just jump right into the chaos index review uh and at the end i'm gonna tack on uh kid hammer podcast um so this is gonna be a little bit long of an episode about maybe a little over two hours uh, but if you want to listen to that it's a great interview i interview a uh, guy who runs the kid hammer event at nova and what kid hammer is is essentially uh bringing children into the hobby it's it's like nova's like this convention like the lvo uh and then kid hammer is you know bringing models for kids to paint models for kids to play with so they can learn how to play 40k and get into this beautiful hobby that we all love right so i think it's it's a wonderful idea and it's i think it's an interview worth listening to if you have children and uh, you're trying to get them to play 40k uh, or if you just want to hear about someone who balances 40k life between you know kids being a parent and you know being a 40k player right because I, I did have someone request that earlier um, a couple months ago and I think it's a great subject and I, I am also a new dad like I have a nine-month-old daughter who I love very much and I hope one day maybe she's a maybe she can become a you know true blue ultramarine lover or not you know I don't care if she plays 40k I would be really happy if she doesn't 
you know, obviously it's not the end of the world. Uh, I'm still going to love her to death anyways. But as a new dad, I thought it was very interesting and I thought it was worth listening to. And I know there's a lot of people in this hobby who have children, who have young children or older children. Um, this is definitely not a hobby for like high school kids, right? That's not our demographic. Our demographic is um, college, post-college, and married with children. That's that's the big demographic of 40K. So I'm going to put that on at the end. Uh, anyways, guys, this is the commercial break, and have a good one. I will see you guys later. Hey, guys. Welcome to PD Pop's Second Handies, the commercial segment about market trends and trade tips that I pick up from running Frontline Gaming's secondhand shop. Today, make sure you know what out-of-print Forge World models you need to both buy and sell if you have any. Uh, out-of-print Forge World models are things like Lucius Pattern Drop Pods, um, Earthshaker carriages, Thunder, War Thunder Warriors, etc., etc. Uh, Forge World has a bunch of different models that they did stop printing, unfortunately, um, but still have rules. Um, and this also applies to GW as well. Conscripts, conscripts are a perfect example. They are not just guardsmen; they actually had models at one point. Um, so. Just keep in mind, there are out-of-print models that just flat-out don't exist on the websites anymore for Forge World and Games Workshop. Uh, do your research, make sure you have those, and then they sell like hotcakes on eBay. So don't forget to head on over to FrontlineGaming.org where there is a link to the secondhand shop where we commonly list secondhand 40k items at over 50% off. This has been PewDiePod's Second Handies. Alright guys, we're back. Starting with the main topic, the Chaos Index Review. I have with me a very special guest, Ego Queen Alexis from the Warp herself. Say hi everyone. Yo! What's up everybody? What? No, do you love me? Oh, not right now. Oh man. <laughs> okay. Uh, so if you are unfamiliar with the Eagle Queen, uh, she does have a YouTube channel. She is also the co-host of Adeptus Podcastus, um, which is a podcast, I believe, I only ever watch it on, or listen to it on YouTube, um, but do you guys also have like an iTunes uh, and uh, another... Where, with, we're trying to get that, but right now it's strictly YouTube, and I know that's really annoying for people, but I'm trying, I'm trying. All right. Uh, so if you guys want to listen to that, they have a lot of great content. Um, it's generally a little less tactics focused, um, though there is definitely some tactics talk in it. Uh, but the reason why I brought the Ego Queen on is not only is she a demon of Slanesh, uh, she is also a tactics... I, I, w I, would, I would call you like a uh, casually competitive 40k player. Um, in that she doesn't go to a lot of tournaments and play and be like really competitive, um, but she is intelligent and she tries her best to be tactically aware, um, which I think a lot of people are in. So I think a lot of people can relate to that kind of style of play in that uh, they're not, you know, they don't maybe buy like the cheesiest lists, but, you know, they, they are aware tactically of what they can do to win games. Um, and they mostly just play this game to have a good time and enjoy all of 40k holistically. That, that is accurate? actually a very, that's a very good way of describing me. I'm an unintentional power player. Yeah, it, it, it uh, un, you know, power, power playing, I guess, um, or, uh, I guess playing hard, um, some people might call it, there's a, an unfortunate side effect. Um, but if you find a bunch of like-minded people, um, it's usually a lot of fun. It's actually the ideal way to play for me personally. Um, it's just, 
find people who who have like really cool unique lists um they're not running five storm ravens and gilliman they're running you know their cool slanesh army or their cool nurgle army that they want to uh win with and do well with um and then you play and have a great time uh so is it is it bad when i saw that list for the first time i killed gilliman and was just like all right i win (laughs) that's that that's actually yeah that's funny um Thank God GW FAQ'd it. Uh, and speaking of GW FAQs, um, GW's Rapid Fire Release Codex, or Rapid Fire Codex Release Schedule, um, has basically made it so I have to pop out these index reviews a lot faster. Uh, so next week we'll have the Index Imperium 2, uh, and then that'll we'll be done with the indexes. Um, but immediately following that, I'm going to have to start reviewing a few Codex's uh, podcasts. So look forward to that, guys. Um, and also, if you clicked on this, hoping to talk, hoping to hear about CSM stuff. Um, it just got released today. Um, so we're not going to talk about Codex Chaos Space Marines. We're just going to talk purely Chaos Demons. Um, we'll talk about summoning uh, as well as the Renegade Knights section and what you can do with that. Um, so I'm sorry, no Chaos Space Marines stuff. I know there's a lot of you who love Chaos Space Marines and that'll have to be an entire other episode because there's just so much in that Codex. It's insane. You guys are probably lo- reading it right now um, just coming up with crazy lists. Uh, so we recorded this pre-codex release. Um, so just operate under that assumption as you're listening to this, and uh, let's just jump right into it. So first things first, Chaos Demons. Chaos Demons army list. I Ego Queen. I just saw that right now. I found the Chaos Demons army list. <laughs> Um, I, I told you, I told you, it's on so, page 69. It's really funny. It's, it's big. Anyways, um, uh, we, sorry, that was just, just a pre-recording joke. I apologize, guys. Um, so each Chaos Demon has a 5-up invuln. They're demonic. That is something that carried over from 7th edition. Um, and then they all have their own special rules. Um, now this is something that I've had people be a little confused with, uh, these special rules are what give the chaos demon of its god their specific flavor, right? Um, so, for example, ephemeral form, which is add one to any invuln saves made for a zinch demon with this ability. Um, if a if a model a zinch demon doesn't have ephemeral form, uh, for example, chaos demon princes, chaos space marine demon princes, um, who are still demons of zinch, they don't come with any of these special rules. Uh, you do not get that. So. Uh, just bear that in mind. There's a lot of confusion, um, especially at the beginning of 8th edition release, uh, where it, if, you, if something was a Zinch demon, you just naturally assumed that they had ephemeral form, uh, which is not the case. So just a friendly PSA announcement for you guys. Uh, anyways, corn demons have unstoppable ferocity, uh, which means they can, uh, when they perform a heroic intervention, charge or are charged, you add one to the strength and attacks characteristic of all models in the unit until end of the turn. Uh, which is really big. Um, well, we're gonna get when we get into the chaos, the corn codex. There's actually, or the corn side, there's actually something um, in there specifically that I see a lot of really good players using, which is crazy. Um, ephemeral form we just talked about. A disgustingly resilient, which is a huge game. Disgustingly resil- resilient is possibly the most annoying thing that I've run into. <laughs> It, it, is, it, it is so irritating. It's not like it's not like game changingly good. It's just, uh, just dealing with it. Yeah, it, it's um, it's it's a really good ability. Uh, it's not it, on certain models. It's not very good. 
Um, but when you start looking at like some of the Forge World models, for example, like Scabathrax, uh, who have multiple wounds already uh, and an, a good invuln save and a high toughness value, um, on top of all of that, they also have this as well, discussing resilient. Um, it just it just adds that extra little. It, it, you're right. It is very annoying, um, especially on things like Nurglings, who who are cheap. They're, they're oh just my like, god, no! Nurglings camping objectives is probably the bane of my existence. It, it's really it is really annoying. Demon players, if you guys aren't bringing at least like one squad of four or five Nurglings, um, I would probably reconsider your list because they are disgustingly hard to kill. No pun intended. And of course, you know, they're so small that if they're hidden in ruins, you're never going to see them. Yes, 100%. Um, so they had, Nurgle demons have Disgustingly Resilient. Uh, and then finally, Slanesh demons have Quicksilver Swiftness, um, which means they can always swing first in combat, um, even if units have charged. Uh, and then they alternate with other units with similar abilities, um, which is pretty cool. Um, it's, 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 I think... It's cool, but it's... It's like the worst of all of them. Yeah, I was just about to say that, yeah. Um, it, they definitely did not win the Chaos Demon Awards, you know, the Chaos Demon Ability Awards. Um, they, they came in fourth place, unfortunately. Yeah, it, I mean, it sucks that my own demons are terrible, this edition. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I get that it's, it is really fluffy and it, it, you know, fits the theme of the army, like, fast. But I don't know, maybe giving them, like a minus one to hit in close combat as well, because they're so like fast and shifty. That might have been pretty cool. Um, There's and... a lot of things that they could have given them. Right. Like, Oh, yeah. And then it's just like, no, they get to strike first. Well, why don't give them the ability to always strike and have, even if they die, they always get to strike and have, like, plus one attack or something. Well, not plus one attack. That's too cornate. But, like, rending on everything. Which yep. is like yep. mortal wounds or something like that. They could have made them good. Yeah, they they definitely could have given them a little bit more. Um, though I I do understand that they only had one, uh, because each each of these abilities only gives them one special rule. So like disgusting and resilient only gives them the uh, ignore wounds on a five up. Um, so so they wanted to keep that simple. Um, but they definitely could have made it something else. Anyways. Um, enough about that. We have the demonic ritual on this page. Uh, summoning. So, so I've, in my experience, the uh, attitude towards summoning is mixed, right? So half of the people I talk to say summoning is terrible. The other half of the people I talk to say summoning is amazing. Uh, Eagle Queen, where do you lie on that spectrum? It's terribly amazing. <laughs> and and here's why though. Here's why. Um, when you do summoning, you put half your points aside to, you know, summon in the units and everything. It gives you a chance to tailor your list mid-game to deal with what your opponent has. Yes. It's... And that I really like, but at the same time, I don't like how weird the summoning rule is. Where If it was more reliable, like a bit more reliable, not broken, but just... You know, there, and I mean, the command points uh, reroll does make up for that, but you have to do that every single time you attempt to summon to try to get a good demon out. Yeah. So it's it's one of those things. I'm sitting on the sidelines like, I fought against demons many times, and I, I always get like, the person will either be like, damn it, there goes my game, I'm going to lose now, or it's like, I just got what I needed. It's never like middle ground. It's never like, Oh well, I needed this unit to protect me. I, I see. I see where you're coming from. Um, 
And I, I definitely agree about the in it's very inconsistent. Um, luckily, you don't have to spend your points until after you roll. Um, so if you roll three ones, you can just take a power level three demon. I think you just have to yeah you just have to choose which god before you roll, um, and then from there you you just summon the unit. So if you pick if you know if there's like no power level three corn demons um, and you roll triple ones, like you're gonna have to re-roll one of them. Um, but it is very is very chaosy and very inconsistent. Um, it is, and I do like that aspect of it. Yeah, uh, but I, I do I do agree. It's it's uh it's not something you should rely on. Um, and it's more of like a small toolbox. Uh, I would say you probably shouldn't put more than like 150, 200 points in reserve. And I would just ignore the big demons that you can summon. Um, just because yeah trying probably... to go for the big demons is just gonna you're just gonna lose the game yeah yeah because i think in the forge world chaos index I, I think there's some guys that can i think they roll five dice for it uh which is you know enables you to summon some of the bigger stuff uh but then you know you're taking d3 mortal wounds almost guaranteed yeah 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 actually Ooh. one of the things that uh one of my buddies does all the time with his summoning is he just summons in nurglings yeah <laughs> like he just summons them in on the objectives that he needs them on. He's just like, okay, I need them over here. Perfect. Yeah, that's really smart. Um, summoning small units, uh, you, you mentioned screening. Uh, depending on the unit you summon, you can do that. You can kind of, if your character's running low on bodies to hide behind, uh, I would throw like some plague bearers out there. Uh, you know, some just kind of resilient units that um, when the codex comes out, should have obsec, which would be even better. So when the Chaos Demon Codex comes out, I imagine summoning is going to be even more powerful, right? Because you, you'll just be able to summon like a unit of blood letters on an objective um, with no objective secured units on it, and boom, if they have objective secured. I, I'm a, This is operating under the assumption that GW gives all troops objective secured, um, which might might not be the case, but who knows. Um, but if you, you know, summon a unit of, troops on an objective with objective secured that's really powerful so you could just kind of have that pocket you know uh, ace pocket ace that's the term right people you still use that right anyways sure <laughs> the ace up the sleeve at all. <laughs> um but uh, you could still kind of have that trump card and um beat your opponent that way which i think is pretty cool uh anyways enough about demonic ritual uh, psychic disciplines of course, everyone gets only three instead of the usual six. Uh, the Nurgle... I'm actually I'm I'm still disappointed by that. Oh, only getting three instead of six. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it. it I, I don't. I don't know about you, but I think it makes the codex or the index a little more bland. Um. You know, and... like even even four, I'd have been okay with four because then it's like, well, now I have to choose two. Which ones don't I want? Yeah. I think I think it it doesn't seem like the the three psychic powers doesn't really bother me as much as um we don't know what the other three powers are. So in like for example in Space Wolf's case we got three amazing powers. So like what if the three powers when their codex come out gets released? What if those three powers suck? It's like well you know we just got the broken Space Wolf's powers. Um and then on the flip side what if uh, uh psychic powers for a faction are really bad? Um and like the three other powers that they picked to not reveal are actually really good and it's just it's kind of like a weird like balance thing you know it's like in, are they intentionally making these co obviously they're not intentionally doing it um but they kind of like unintentionally make factions 
coming right out the gates weaker than others because of the psychic power choices. Um, so I'd like to know if like they thought about that before they printed the indexes, or they just kind of like randomly picked powers, or I don't know. It's... And I felt like they did that with uh, Black Templar. They just randomly made them god awful. <laughs> uh, Black Templar are in a unique. What's really funny is actually as um, at the Bay Area Open, there was one Black Templar player who made the top eight um, and lost in round five, but I think won round six. So he he did really well. He was a Black Templar player. He's a Space Marine player with no Gilliman. So they do exist, guys. I promise you. I've seen them. Um, he brought, like, High Marshal Helbrecht and Grimaldus and a lot of Jump Pack Marines. Um, and he actually didn't do terribly. Uh, but I think he's the exception, not not the norm. Um, but for you Black Templar players, there is hope. All right. So, anyway, sorry. There's hope. It's just you got to get really freaking good at this game and never read any of the other better abilities. Yes. There you go. So listen to this podcast um, and then don't look at anything else. Don't You know what? Don't don't listen to the podcast, this part of the podcast where I talk about everyone else. Just listen to the podcasts where I talk just specifically about Black Templars. There's not a lot. So you're going to have to do a lot of searching, a lot of guesswork, um, and then you're good. You could do, and then play a lot of games. But anyways, um, so Nurgle Discipline. Uh, you have Stream of Corruption, which is a warp charge value five power. Um, you pick an enemy within seven inches, and they suffer D three mortal wounds if they have fewer than ten models, and D six if they have ten models or more. Um, this is really good for character sniping. Uh, I'm glad they made it a seven inch uh, distance, so you can't summon or you can't deep strike in and then use it. Um, so that, well, that's... you do know why they chose seven, right? Oh, because of Nurgle. Yeah, that too. Yep. Um, that's just a, I guess that's just a happy coincidence. Um, but it, it, the, you guys are so so chaos demons aside for a second. Um, for those of you who are maybe listening to this podcast to get kind of like a leg up on their chaos demon opponents. Um, every I I feel like they're going to make this a theme where psychic powers can snipe characters with mortal wounds across faction wide. Um, so just keep a lookout for the powers that snipe characters. Um, and I think taking psychers is something you're going to have to do pretty consistently. Um, certain armies can get away with it. Uh, I like, think Sisters of the Battle... One thing that I noticed, the one thing I noticed is if you're going to take a psyker, you need to take about three psychers. Yes. One psyker doesn't do it. One psyker alone sucks. Yes. Unless it's like Magnus or something. Uh, I, absolutely. Um, three cheap psychers uh, for character sniping or, you know, just dishing out mortal wounds left and right. Very good. Um, one psyker, you're right. I f feel like one psyker doesn't do enough. Um, but uh, anyways, so th there's Nurgle's character sniping, mortal wound dealing power. Um, it's really good, uh, especially because you can do D6 mortal wounds. Anytime you're able to do D6 mortal wounds, period potentially that that's always amazing um virulent yeah just immediately getting rid of a character is awesome well you need to have 10 or more models to do the d6 mortal wounds oh no no, no. yeah sorry yeah. my bad my yeah bad. yeah but the d3 mortal wounds two of these guys casting d3 mortal wounds on a character um could ace the character pretty easily like especially like a small one like a commissar or a priest uh Virulent Blessing is you pick a Nurgle Demon within 18 inches on a warp charge value of 6. You can add 1 to all wound rolls made by that unit in the fight phase. Uh, and then anyone on a 7 plus inflicts double damage. Um, th this one's cute. Uh, it's it's really good if you need 
if you need to kill things like a knight, right? So if you have like a unit of Nurglings or Plague Bearers and they're charging like a knight and it's got like two wounds left, um, you might cast this on them uh, to give them plus one to wound so they're not wounding it on sixes or wounding it on fives. Um, but ultimately I don't really think this power is very powerful. Uh, and then Fleshy Abundance, which is the best one, um, is a Warp Charge value of five. You pick a demon unit within 18 inches, and they recover D3 wounds lost earlier in the battle. Um, that's pretty big, uh, with the, especially compared with the Disgustingly Resilient rule. Uh, you have something like a Greater Unclean one, or even a squad of Nurglings if you really want them to hold that objective, because um, Nurglings have four wounds each. Uh, you can just give them D3 extra wounds, um, and then they keep on ticking. Like I said, Nurgle is annoying. Nurgle's very, Nurgle's very annoying. Very, very annoying. It just sits in objectives and wins the game. Yeah, it, Nurgle, Nurgle are. Uh, I'm actually disappointed I didn't see more Nurgle at the Bay Area Open. Um, Slanesh, uh Cacophonic Choir has a ward charge value of seven. Uh, you roll two d six, and then a unit, enemy unit within eighteen inches suffers a mortal wound for each point that total that exceeds their leadership. Um, this one's actually surprisingly good um because so if you look at other powers with the same ability um traditionally th they usually have like an opposing role right so like like uh i think space marines have one where you both roll a d6 and then you add your leaderships and then whatever uh whatever differences that you beat them that's how many mortal wounds you take whereas this one doesn't take into account or it, this one is better gets better with more leadership modifiers so like if you have like a knight lord's army um and you give a unit minus three leadership and then you cast this power on them um this power becomes really good right because they, they might go down to like leadership five or four you know at, at the highest so you're doing 2d6 minus that number and then with command reroll on top of that um you can do a substantial amount of mortal wounds um even to things like knights right who are only leader i think knights are only leadership eight does it say an infantry unit no it's just closest visible enemy unit yeah so let's see so if you did something the cacophony like... is probably my favorite because it's just sound and i love that it's just blah yeah <laughs> it's literally the demon screaming at you <laughs> it's a choir of demons screaming at you they're they're screaming bohemian rhapsody at you for the millionth time um oh my you, God. Just, you can't take it anymore so um uh, symphony of pain uh which is if manifested warp at a warp charge value of six um you pick an unit within 18 inches uh and then they subtract all for one from all hit rolls made for that unit so slanesh actually won the psychic demon or the, the psychic power lottery um with the minus one to hit power which is if you have a power in your faction that gives your opponent's units a minus one to hit, um, you you bring that power every time. Yeah, yeah, it's insane. It's so good. It is ridiculously good. Um, you know, it, it, like like for example, if you're having a hard time dealing with knights, um, the use, the traditional tactic is to at least bring them down to twelve wounds and then focus on a different knight because the efficiency from hitting on a three plus to hitting on a four plus is so dramatic that the knight becomes not irrelevant um but becomes like almost irrelevant they, they're basically are like are like half a knight right it also slows down the knight and you you just don't need to worry about it anymore yes um but if you can give that knight minus one to hit and then focus down another knight so you could actually uh if you're a slanesh demon army or if you have a slanesh psyker in your army um you could potentially 
cut down three knights. So you could cut down one knight to 12 wounds, um, maybe you charge and bring another knight down to another 12 wounds, and then that third knight that you wouldn't normally be able to hurt, you can just give them a minus one to hit, and kind of like, like, a, like a pseudo like nerf or you know pseudo bringing it down to like 12 wounds so it's 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 a really good stopgap for dealing with knights um it's just good in general right so you could bubble wrap your your big huge demon army that you don't want to die or chaos space marines or whatever right so if they charge you with like a bunch of corn berserkers they kill the first unit that you don't care about anyways and then you can give their berserkers a minus one to hit um and you can ignore one squad and then completely kill another squad and berserkers are still really good um, but a minus one to hit, even attacking twice, they're not nearly as efficient, um, especially with their big things like their power fists and stuff, right? Because they're going to be taking power fists, because power fists are 12 points each now in the Chaos Base Marine Codex. So if you if you're not if you don't see corn berserkers with power fists, um, I think the opponent you're playing is is definitely being kind to you. They so, are terrifying, but really giving so it a good. minus one on top of its minus one, that's just insane. Yeah. So. Uh, Finally, Hysterical Frenzy, um, the worst power easily. Uh, uh, you select a Slanesh Demon unit on a war charge value of 8. Um, that unit can pile in and attack as if it were the fight phase. Um, it's pretty good. Uh, it's not like the worst power ever. Um, I just think out of these three powers, it's it's the worst. Uh, anyways, what do you think, Ego Queen? Sorry, had a loud motorcycle pass my house because one guy is just driving back and forth. That's okay. The warp is a fickle creature. I understand. The Eagle Queen yeah. has decided to record Voxcast from her home in the warp. Um, so if you guys hear a vehicle pass occasionally, um, because she it's just not... Doom Rider. Yeah, it's just it's just Doom Rider. He's just riding around everywhere. Um, causing he knows havoc. he's not going to be reprinted. He's pissed off. <laughs> he's just doing donuts outside. He and and uh. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say I actually I actually find the Slaneshi demons and Chaos Space Marines as a really good ally. Like, well, obviously, but one of the things that you can do is if you get the um the minus 1 off on your opponent's army and then pop smoke on all the rhinos. Those rhinos are basically untouchable by that one unit. Yeah. Plus you have plus you could just snipe units with just that 2d6 that just you're going to kill a unit. You're going to kill a character very quickly with it. Yeah. And the craziness of it is, if you're lucky, you can kill something big with it. Yes. Yes, you can. Like like a knight, which is leadership nine, right? Um, and you roll. Yeah. Top. yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it's crazy. Um, moving on to the uh, Boon of Chains, Zeech Powers. Uh, oh, the nerd powers. The, the nerd powers. Um, the boon of change is, is interesting. You pick a friendly zinch unit with eight within eighteen inches, and then on a seven roll of a seven, you roll a d three, uh, and you can e they either get plus one attack, plus one strength, or plus one toughness. Um, this one's silly. Uh, it's not. It can it can kind of it can kind of be cool in a pinch, but uh, space marines get a power that gives you plus one to all three. They give you plus one strength, plus one toughness, and plus one uh, yeah. attack. Um, so uh, this one is the one where you go, "Oh, boon of change." All right, I'm not gonna take that one. I'm gonna take the other two. Right. It's it's not. It's it's kind of silly. I, I I don't know. I don't know what um what they were thinking when they designed this power. I I, I mean, if it could be used multiple times in a turn, like if you if it was allowed to be used multiple times, like smite, 
right. it would be decent. Yes, I agree. Um, or if maybe plus two to these instead of plus one. Um, it's it's just it's kind of silly. Um, I, I I wish I wish this one I wish they had just just been a flat like plus one to all of those. Um, you know. Anyways, uh, bolt of change. Uh, the traditional zinch shooty power. Um, you pick a unit within 18 inches of the psyker, uh, which does not have to be the closest visible unit. That is very important. Um, the unit suffers D3 mortal wounds, and then if you kill a character, you add a chaos spawn, um, which you do have to pay points for. Uh, now, chaos spawn did get better um, So with the chaos base marine release, though I think, do you have to summon a chaos demon chaos spawn or a chaos base marine chaos spawn? That, or are I'd they assume only it's chaos? a chaos spawn from the chaos demons, but it doesn't clearly state that. Yeah, are there chaos? Are there even chaos de- spawn in the chaos demons section? I am unaware. <laughs> I'm checking right now. There are no chaos spawns, so so he is going to be a chaos base marine. So um, that's actually really good then. So if you kill a character with the bolt of change, um, which should be easy to do, it, it only has to be a character within 18 inches. It has a warp charge value of nine, so it's a little harder to get off. Um, but if you kill a character and then you summon like like an Alpha Legion spawn with the mark of Zinch um, to make him a Zinch demon, uh, and then one day he'll he'll be in the range of the Changeling possibly, hopefully. Uh, he's a minus. He could have a minus two to hit, which is which is crazy. So being able to summon a Chaos Space Marine spawn and sticking them in your opponent's backfield uh, might be really good, actually. I can imagine. Um, it's a good little distraction. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, Treason of Zinch. Warp charge value of eight. You select a visible enemy character within 18 inches, uh, and then roll 2d6. If the result is greater than the character's leadership, you can treat the model as if it were a friendly model in your army, shooting for shooting, charge, and fighting purposes. And at the end of the fight phase, the character reverts to being an enemy model. Um, so you just take over a character. Uh, this this is the uh, the big hilarious story maker um, that I've heard so much about. I didn't actually know it was called Treason of Zinch until now. Um, but apparently a lot of people are using it on, like, Tau Commanders uh, or, like, Gilliman. Which, which is, it's um, it's perfect for the Tau Commander because of that book that just came out recently, which shows a, a Zinch Demon actually taking over a Tau Commander. Really? Uh, yeah, I thought that was really cool. <laughs> they're, or, they're showing you how to use it. Yeah, it's great. And he actually does shoot, like, warp fire and freaking melt a marine. It's It's insane. It was a really good book. Nice. Um, but yeah, taking over Gilliman is actually like really fluffy because Yeah, it's it's hinted at that he might be a traitor. Oh uh, so I read Dark Imperium. I've 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 brushed up on my Gilliman fluff and I firmly believe that Gilliman is the man. He is going to lead us to the promised land, and most likely his ultramarines are gonna turn against him. Like, like, there's, like, in the Dark Imperium book, there's, like, hints of, like, Calgar going, like, I don't agree with my Primarch. And then he, like, mentally slaps himself for, like, not, for disagreeing with his Primarch. Um, so, like, throughout the entire Dark Imperium book, Calgar is fighting this, this mental battle. Kind of, kind of like Horus, or, um, uh, the guy who oh, yeah, played the yeah. lion, Luc- Lucifer? No, it's not Lucifer, it's not literally the devil. No, uh, what's, ah... Uh... Luther. 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 Close. Closest. Um, yeah. Luther. Uh, uh, but um, you, you kind of sense resentment. But anyways, uh, Gilliman. No, Gilliman will never fall to chaos. He is pure and perfect. Well, the one thing is, is that he is now doubting himself. He 
he sees the emperor and he's like, is the emperor a god? Is he not a god? Has he always been a god and never revealed it? Or did he become a god to protect us? Right. It's kind of cool. And then he's just got like Celestine next to him the entire book, just like, I'm an angel. And he's just like, <laughs> you know, this is really confusing. This is, this is starting to get very biblical open here. Um, uh, if you Have you read the Dark Imperium novel, Ego Queen? I have read most of it. I'm still reading it. Yeah, I, I got a I, list of like a thousand books oh, yeah. to read. There's so many. Um, but there's a, a really funny part in the book when he talks about meeting the emperor. And like he spends like the first half reminiscing about that, saying like how he thought the emperor was going to like be a dead throne because he's very logical, you know. So like he, he knows that it's just like a corpse, right? He's, he's just a corpse. Um, so he in the book, he recounts that he the emperor did speak to him and he was actually shocked. Um, and he says that what the emperor said to him was like the emperor was just like business as usual. Um, which which is hilarious. So like, Gil, here's you know Gilliman standing in front of like a dead corpse, who's like, who, he's just like, okay, why am I here? You know, he's clearly dead. And then the corpse talks to him, and Gilliman's like, oh shit, yeah. this corpse can talk. My dad's alive, hooray! And then his dad's like, okay, Gilliman, let's start this meeting at meeting starting at four forty eight p.m. Uh, motion to I include the meeting everyone say I, you know he's just like business as usual he's just like okay well time if you to go read, to section um, eight good it as we're a random tangent right now uh-huh. but if you ever read master mankind i i've not actually have that book okay literally on you my need shelf to, need read to read it. it it is the best of the horus heresy books okay uh you you find out in it that the emperor doesn't give two shits about any of the primarchs he just does not care about any of them oh yeah and he's just like Oh, these are just tools. Like he has, um, he has Angron on a table, and he's just like, I could remove the butcher's nails, and he would die. I could leave them in, and he will still die, or I could just kill him. Ah, <laughs> mm. uh, whatever. What's the worst that could happen? That's so. That's so. Yeah. <laughs> it's also heavily hinted that he knew Horace was going to betray him the entire time. It was just like, yeah, whatever. Well, he's like, he he's he's like hyper logical, and he's like a god like i actually attribute him to like the greek gods who who were like so powerful that they just got bored and like messed with mortals like just for kicks because they're they're like these gods who who have these like set personalities and they just get bored um like you know the emperor had sex with with women right like he he had he fathered women who or children who are uh um the pariahs right yep right so so like we knew we know that he's he's like a man or he's like, like Zeus esque. Right. Um, anyways. So, so yeah. So tangent, tangent aside, the whole point of all this Gilliman will not fall to chaos. <laughs> well, I never said he'd fall to chaos. I still think he's going to go rogue. Oh, he's well, going to make his own Imperium with blackjack and hookers. Oh, uh, you know what? I'm okay with that. He's, he, he kind of already started it in the Horus heresy with Imperium Secundus. Uh, but he didn't. So which... I mean, unless Lion gets his lazy ass up and actually does something, Gilliman's just going to make his own Imperium. Yeah, yeah, we, we definitely need a second Primarch to to help him out. Um, he's he's definitely feeling some some uh, loneliness, you know. Uh, anyways, so <laughs> sorry guys, this is a a chaos index review. Um, we'll go ahead and jump right back into it. <laughs> Sorry, fluff tangent, it's, our bad. It, it's fine. Uh, 
my listeners, I I rarely go on, I rarely talk about fluff on the podcast. It's pretty much all, you know, tactics and um, tips and tricks uh, and tournament news. But I am a huge fluff bunny. I love the the 40k fluff. Um, oh, then I got to get you on my channel. We'll just talk fluff the entire time. Great. We'll do that. Uh, but moving on. Sorry, guys. Corn, the corn side of the Chaos Demon Index. Uh, first we have, uh, so actually what we'll do is, because I don't want to, there's like 10 HQ choices or something. Um, silly. There's, ah, uh, there's nine. Anyways, uh, so instead of going through each of them individually, uh, I, I'll talk about each battlefield rule holistically. Um, and then we can just kind of point at some of the highlights. Uh, so first off, the thing that I want to, I want to point everyone to in the corn HQs is Skulltaker. Skulltaker can be summoned. He's only power level five, so it's very, very easy to summon him. But um, he can he he can kill characters with the reroll to hit into wound, which is as Gilman's proved is really strong. But the best thing is is the Locus of Decapitation special rule, which means you can add one to all hit rolls made for friendly bloodletter units that are within eight inches of him. Um, and then just keep that in mind when we cover the troops or when we cover bloodletters. Uh, but Skulltaker, I think, is the clearly best HQ choice in this book. Like he's he's insanely good. Um, now here's the question: Do you take him from the start, or do you summon him? Uh, it's 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 tricky because um, you know, at a level him takes... five, he's pretty easy to summon. Right, right. But you have to you need two characters then at that point, right? Because a, a character can't summon twice. Yep. Um, so you would need two characters and then you would need to summon him and then you would need to summon the blood letters next to him. Cause that, that's a, that's the more aggressive play. Um, obviously the more defensive play is, is he, having him summon the characters or the, the blood letters, uh, and then using them as a bubble screen, kind of like moving around like a blood litter bomb. Um, it's, it's very, it's very interesting. Uh, that's a good question. I, I would say. I would say though I I would say you summon him just cuz he he has a chance to not die. Yeah, so, I mean he's he's safe. Right, he's he's safe. Um anyways, Scarbrand got better that which which uh I know it's hard to believe. He's still not amazing, like he's not a must take, but Scarbrand uh not only is he able is you know his rule his 8-inch bubble Makes it you can't fall back in combat if you, no matter who you are. Um, but he also he got a movement buff. He moves eight inches instead of six inches, um, which is is good enough. You know, honestly, it's it's fine. Uh, and then of course he has like a billion attacks, uh, and he gets more attacks the more hurt he gets. Uh, and he's just a a blender in close combat. Um, I actually played against Star Scarbrand like twice. Um, and he every time he was just I had to focus him down. He was just really really hard to deal with. I actually, I made the mistake of thinking a knight was scarier than him. Oh no! You're like this knight can handle him. Go, go get no, him. No, 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 no. Oh. I my opponent had Scarbrand and a knight. Oh, oh, so I you... focused the knight down to half, and then I was just like, ah, Scarbrand only moves eight and can assault whatever. I'm not worried. Right. He proceeded to run through my entire army up until I finally killed him, but I was down like four units. Yeah, yeah. If if you're looking for some good tax Scarbrand tactics, um, if you can if you can threat overload your opponent, so like if you run like Chaos Space Marines, like a, a Alpha Legion Berserkers and a Charybdis, you drop that down in your opponent's face, uh, and then maybe you might like Warp Time Magnus up in their face, 
Um, and then Scar, or you can warp time Scarbrand, and then Magnus can just move up. Uh, and then like follow that with like Magnus summoning like blood letters, you know, from 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 summoning or summon like another powerful crazy thing that they have to deal with. Uh, Scarbrand is going to be like the last choice on their list, right? But the reason why Scarbrand's good is because if he goes through your army unchecked and he charges things that he can't kill. So like if he charges two units and puts all of his attacks into one unit, the other unit isn't running away. So he kills them on your phase or on your, his opponent's combat phase. Right. Um, which means that next turn he's free to, you know, charge something else, um, which effectively makes him impossible to shoot. Um, if you bunch up your units together and you don't have a way to kill him in close combat. Uh, so Scarbrand if he gets into lines can can just be devastating right as you know as you you already know eagle queen um oh god yes yeah so so just keep that in mind and you know can all he also can be summoned but uh 19 power level so yeah that he can't be summoned yeah not not just just don't try like there's i think like in the forge world index you know as i mentioned there's a way to to get like five or six powers or five or six dice to summon um but i just at that point i would just take him um Anyways, uh, the Bloodthirsters, uh, who were all basically, basically roughly the same, uh, I think one of them, one of them has the ability to hurt characters better. Yeah, the Wrath of Corn Bloodthirster. Uh, but they're they're basically all the same flavor of Bloodthirster. Uh, nothing super special about them. They hit hard. They get weaker. Um, they buff their corn leadership, uh, and then the heralds uh the herald of corn on the blood throne is does not have the character it does have the character keyword so yeah so i wanted to bring that one up that was the other one uh so the herald of corn on the blood throne um not only is it uh has vehicle stats with t7 and 7 wounds um but because it's a character it has less than 10 wounds and it has to be it has to be the closest visible model to shoot at um and if you combine that with five five uh, basically power sword attacks that do t- double damage with um paired with someone like skull taker uh and then a plus one to strength buff with to every corn demon unit within six inches you have an amazing unit um, and i believe they're they're cheap too they're they're relatively cheap let me find out herald of corn on sorry guys i don't have these these memorized okay neither do i <laughs> oh yeah they're 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 pretty cheap they're they're 105 points base uh and the the weapons aren't even on here weapons aren't even on there perfect Not even on here which means they're free haha <laughs> see comes with a hellblade okay so wait he's only 105 points yes so Damn. It's, it's a one hundred yeah. Oh yeah. The um the characters the character uh chariots are all insane. They're they're all crazy. And you can combine them with Skulltaker, as you said, for all of those buffs and everything. So this guy is actually like a little walking tank. Oh no, Skulltaker's only bloodletter units. Sorry. Oh just bloodletter. Oh okay. any anyways. No, the the Herald of Corn on on the Blood Throne. Um, is really, really good. Uh, so I just wanted to bring that to your attention, corn players. Um, you know, he, he does mortal wounds uh, when he charges uh, for each enemy. So 
the crushing impact is also really good um, when he charges a unit. Um, for every model that he ends up within being within one inch of, you roll a d6, and on a 5+, plus, the unit he charges suffers a mortal wound. So th that's crazy. So if, if he charges like a bunch of brimstones and manages to get like 10 in in within one inch, um, you can you can roll 10 dice and then on a five plus brimstones die. It's it's good. It's really good. Um, and then he also recovers wounds if he kills them with that with that roll. That's really good for 105 points. I feel like I'm missing. I feel like I'm missing something. Like he can't. I don't find the I can't find the Hellblade on here, um, and I know you guys are already like laughing at me, you Chaos Demon players, you career Chaos Demon players, you um, who who already know him. Oh, a Hellforged Sword, that that's the Chaos Demon Prince Hellforged Sword. This is a Hellblade. Yeah, 105 points, Ego Queen. Take that to the bank. Yeah, for 105 points, this is actually like, damn. Yeah. Um, so, so anyways, uh, moving on to the flesh hounds, who are the next choice. Uh, flesh hounds got weaker, unfortunately. Um, they can deny powers. Uh, they're still about the same price point, um, you know. But they just they didn't get anything special. Um, they they are beasts. So if if you are unaware of how good beasts are, um, for things like, for example, for knights that can leave combat. Um, Almost all the super heavies that can leave combat uh, say only with infantry units. Um, and the reason why GW did that was obviously so, like, a Warhound Titan doesn't, like, hop over another Warhound Titan, right? Like, obviously, they have to engage each other. They can't just ignore each other. Um, but a uh, nasty little side effect of that is beast units, like Nurglings and Fleshhounds, can essentially lock up a knight in close combat and keep it there because the knight can't withdraw over them or fall back over them. Uh, so just a little friendly tip. Look for your beast models and find the best one that fits your army. Um, probably not Flesh Hounds. Uh, and then Bloodletters. Uh, Bloodletters are insane. Um, as I mentioned on the Herald of Corn, the Hellblade, when you roll a 6+, plus, does 2 damage instead of 1. Um, combined with Skulltaker, who gives you plus 1 to your hit rolls. Uh, you essentially... Wait. It's a wound roll of a 6+, plus, and then he gives you plus 1 to your hit rolls. Never mind, guys. This is this is a uh, early morning for me. So actually, so so hold on. So uh, I actually played a friend who who played this so that the skull taker was wounding me on a five plus, and then he was getting double damage on a five plus. But skull taker is hit rolls. So eighth edition, we're all still learning it. Um, keep that in mind, guys. Uh, Bloodletters are still really good with Skulltaker. Plus one hit is crazy, um, and then exploding sixes is still really strong. Uh, they do only have one attack each, um, but they're still pretty good. And they get with the instrument, they get plus one to their advance and charge rolls. It's not bad. And finally, blood crushers and the skull cannon. Um, blood crushers are are kind of the same where they were last edition. They're a good unit to summon. Um, they're hard hitting. Uh, they do a good job of killing marines, um, but I don't I don't think you're going to be seeing a whole lot of them. Uh, and then the skull cannon is uh, interesting. Um, this is the thing that my friend always summons. He loves cannon? summoning in the skull cannon for no reason. Is does he just like like the model or or does he? No, he just he's just like I have a skull cannon. I want to play it. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
yeah, the skull <laughs> the skull cannon is the vindicator of this book. Uh, it's it's good. It's not great. Um, it does a lot of damage, but you know it's just one shot and easily killable. Uh, so unfortunately, your 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 friend in Age of Sigmar, um, which I know fantasy Age of Sigmar, uh, but skull cannons are really good in Age of Sigmar. Because um, they do roughly I mean, the same they're, thing. They're kind of neat. They're a good little distraction. And if your opponent ignores them, they're not bad. Yes, but they're not like it's not great. They're not great. They're just... sorry, guys. They're there. For any of you who are trying to make a skull cannon list work, um, sorry, you might want to scrap that idea. Scrap that idea and run blood thrones instead of skull cannons. There if you, go. you do want a cannon list, play the orcs. There you go. Boom. Um, all right, moving on to Zinch Demons, uh, Fate Weaver, who did get FAQ'd, so he now has the ephemeral form rule, um, so he gets plus one to his invuln, uh, which is cool. Fate Weaver's actually not terrible. Um, he is BS, he is weapon skill three, so he's actually hitting in close combat um, with uh, strength eight, basically a missile launcher shot in close combat. He's got uh, five missile launcher attacks in close combat, strength eight, AP three, D six damage. Um, that turn characters into spawns if he kills them. Um, so Fate Weaver hits really, really hard. Uh, and then you also get D3 command points for him if he's your Warlord. Uh, this is kind of an interesting choice. Um, I feel like it should be a set number, like 2 or two or uh, 3, like Gilliman. Um, but I get that it's like random and zinchi. Uh, so, you know. And then other than that, he doesn't have any other buffs other than having being able to manifest three powers. Um, so he basically gets all the change powers and then smite. Um, so Fate Weaver's still pretty good. Uh, the Changeling, he is easily the best HQ choice in the book, in the Chaos Demon section. Um, Eagle Queen, what do you think? You see this little bastard on the battlefield, you kill it immediately. <laughs> if you can. It's, yes. The, the Changeling, so if you haven't played against the Changeling yet, uh, the Changeling is making the rounds on the competitive circuit. Uh, he Basically, he gives all Zinch Demon units within 9 inches a minus 1 to hit, or the hard to hit rule, um, which is crazy. Combined combined with Brimstones, who we're going to talk about in a second. Oh um, my god. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll have a Brimstone rant soon. Um, but the, the Changeling is, he, he's a character... So he's hard to kill. He's a psyker um, with the with the treason of Zinch potentially, right? So with solid psychic powers to pick from, um, and he's cheap. He's he's under 100 points, which I think he should be at least 100 points minimum. Um, but he he's cheap. Uh, there's not much else to say. He's a really 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 good choice. You, should, you know, he's like an I, I find it funny. I find him funny though. He reminds me of a, and I know this is going to be a weird comparison, but he reminds me of a Thunderfire Cannon from last edition. It was grossly undercosted and extremely good. Um, yeah, yeah. There's yes, uh, he he's one of those he's one of those models that that is so good that you have to take them. Um, like also the Malefic Lords from the Chaos Index, Forge World Index. If you haven't got a chance to play against those guys, um, they are a thirty point. Psyker, um, that can cast spells, of course, because they're Psyker. They are, uh, they have a four-up invuln and five wounds, um, for 30 points. Still, I'm going to remind you of that one more time. Um, and when they perils, they get more attacks, and they get, like, like a boost to their strength. Their attacks get, like, AP3, 
uh, and do D3 damage, and they they get like four attacks each. Um, so they get better when they perils. Um, oh my god, that's you, ridiculous. Yeah, they they get they get high on like warp energy or something. I don't know. Um, but malefic lords are uh, something that are also very terrifying. Uh, so we have a teammate on our team, Relentless D, um, who, if you listen to the last podcast, uh, Brandon Grant, the winner of the Bay Area Open, uh, talked about this game with him. We talked about Malefic Lords a little bit more. Um, but he runs like 40 or 50 Brimstone Horrors uh, with the Changeling and like five Malefic Lords and then just moves them at the board, you know, moves them up the board at you. And that's all like less than 500 points. That. Or it's, I think it's like less than 400 points. It's insane. It's it's an insane amount of board presence, a lot of mortal wounds, and it's all cheap. Um, this is why I spam flamers. This, yeah, you, you need to spam something to be able to deal with brimstone horrors and to get to those juicy malefic lords. Um, so, uh, also, last episode I talked about uh, brimstone horrors um, a little bit more, so if you if you want to like listen to a tournament how how they act like organically in a tournament or how they are organically in a tournament. Just listen to last week's episode. Um, moving on, uh, the blue scribes. I, I wanted to talk about them because my friend is obsessed with getting these models and I still haven't read their rules uh, up until now. So enemy psychers subtract one from their psychic test within 12 inches of the blue scribes and uh, they automatically manifest one randomly selected psychic power from the zines discipline each psychic phase. And they also... Uh, Plus any psychic powers they siphoned. Okay, so they so they steal away psychic powers from the opposing player's psychers. Yeah, that's kind of neat. Yeah, it's it's kind of cute. Um, I I don't know why he's he's so obsessed with them. Maybe just because they're funny. I mean, automatically manifesting one random power from, you know, the second best psychic discipline in the book, um, is really good. Uh. But they are a unique character, um, so I don't I don't know I don't know how uh, worth it they are. Uh, but he's obsessed with them, so. Anyways. I mean, it might just be one of his favorite characters ever. Yeah, he's he's a competitive player too. Um, so he wait, then why does he choose this thing? I don't, I don't know. Um, he is uh, he, he you know maybe he just really likes them. Um, I, I do I do admit they're probably dirt cheap. Like most of the Chaos Demon book is relatively cheap. Um, which, which you know, makes sense. The, their saves aren't that good. Um, so, you know, the, they shouldn't be too expensive. The Blue Scribes are 86 points. That's not that's not cheap. That's not not even a little bit. Um, so I don't know. Anyways, uh, I guess it's, it'd be kind of cute to, like, steal, you know, your, your uh, posing player's, like, minus one hit psychic power um, and then use that against them. Um, I guess that might be really good. Uh, and then obviously being a, uh, be able to automatically manifest a power can be really powerful. Um, though I don't see why you would take blue scribes they're, they're in a, on a competitive level. Um, anyways, Lord of Change, who is the uh, big daddy, you, he has a smite range of 30 inches if you bring the Rod of Sorcery, uh, which I think you usually do. As a 30 inch smite range is crazy. Um, then there are also 16, there are also 16 wounds of the Forp Invuln T7, um, and that there's really not much else to say. Lords of Change are really good. Uh, they have D6 damage attacks in close combat, and they also have attacks that turn characters into chaos spawns, which we talked about earlier. Uh, so Lords of Change are a lot better. 
Um, and then Harold spams the uh, Herald of Zinch on the Burning Chariot also has a character rule. So just another solid Herald on the Chariot um, that can't be targeted. So that's really, really strong. Um, and then Herald of Zinch. So, so Herald of Zinch are kind of in a unique position in that they're the cheapest in Codex character that can smite spam. Um, so just bear that in mind. You can also put them behind Brimstone Horrors uh, or like Nurglings or anything. And they just kind of like run up the board uh, with the staffs, with their staffs of change and smite things. Um, so just watch out for that. Uh, the Heralds of Zinch are pretty strong. Have you played against any Zinch armies, Ego Queen? I have. Um, I do. I did know his army a little bit better than the player that was playing them. Mm -hmm. So I did have a leg up on him and knew what to kill. So I was ignoring his brimstone horrors the entire time. Um, but I, these, these heralds, the, the spamming is ridiculous. The spamming out of Zinch is the most annoying thing ever. Uh, yeah, the Zinch, Zinch definitely needs an overhaul. Um, in terms of just you just need the, so the next unit on the list is actually horrors, um, uh, which we might as well just talk about now. Um, but the horrors need to be they they shouldn't be the unit that defines an entire faction or an entire sub faction, right? Um, because even like the changeling who's really good would not be nearly as good without brimstone horrors. Right, so like if you could imagine the changeling giving a minus one to hit to like your lords of change, um, or your chariots, or or whatever, right? Like that would be good, um, but those are large models that cost a lot of points, um, that an investment like the changeling would have benefit, um, but it would they wouldn't be game breaking, um, but when you put them on a model with a four up invuln and a minus one to hit, uh, and then you make that model toughness three, even though the models it sprouts from are bigger than it and also toughness three, it's just Brimstone horrors are 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 defining the the chaos demon faction in general, um, and I don't think that's the direction GW wanted to go. Um, and, and and I'm sure GW, as we're talking about this, has already come up with some sort of fix to them. The the this new response of GW is intuitive uh, and definitely knows where they made made mistakes and where to fix the game. Um, so I wouldn't be too worried. I'd say that brimstone's days are numbered um how long i don't know uh but how they, long i would say about six more months six yeah because of chapter approved um yep yeah or if the chaos codex comes out sooner than that uh yeah you know we don't know um but i would say that brimstone horrors days are numbered um but in the meantime if you were playing to tournaments and you were listening to this podcast uh dealing with brimstone horrors can be very tough um, so I wanted to take like a few minutes to talk about how to deal with them. Um, first and foremost, mortal wound spam is really important. Um, and you also want to, you don't want to shoot them. You want to hit them in close combat, uh, because not only does the changeling buff, let me see, grab my, my, my words here. Um, no, it's just all from hit rolls, uh, all hit rolls. Never mind. They still get a minus one to hit even in close combat. <clears throat> um, but combat is generally considered more efficient in terms of uh killing them because shooting you can spam more close combat attacks versus shooting attacks uh unless you're tau where you know you have as many shooting attacks as close combat attacks um <laughs> or you just have nothing at all this edition right or or nothing at all um but uh 
you want to get in close combat with them and you want to limit their ability to zone you away from key important parts of the board. Uh, so a, a lot of times when your opponent brings like 200 Brimstone Horrors, um, he's going to be moving those up the board constantly. Um, but if you get in their faces, uh, they are hard to kill. They are extremely resilient. Um, but if you can prevent them from advancing, uh, they don't. They have no way to reach out and kill things. Um, so which leaves you, you know, if you're playing Maelstrom, uh, you can score objective points while they're dealing with the thing that charged them. And obviously, excuse me, obviously they don't hit very hard in close combat. Um, and the only thing you have to worry about is smiting. Uh, but they only smite on a five plus, and they lose a model when they do it. So it's not it's not really that big of a deal. Um, One of the ways that I. I've been dealing with them is picking where to assault them because a lot of people line them up. So you really want to pick and move them towards you is the biggest thing is you want to assault one of the two sides. You never want to assault the middle. That way they minimize their amount of attacks and they have to get closer to you so that you have an easier way of, well, killing a few of them, getting into them. And another way that I've been dealing with them, especially Zinch, well, most armies now, because I kind of switched away from guns and any type of other guns that aren't a flamethrower, is just flamethrowers. Yeah, flamers. Uh, massive amount of shots um, on units that can also charge them um, are really good. So, like, flamers are perfect. Because I imagine you shoot, you flame them up, and then you just charge them immediately afterwards. Right, Actually, uh, the funny thing is, is I usually uh, I send a repressor filled with um, dominions with flamethrowers, ah. uh, two squads of dominions, so I get the six flamethrower shots out of it, and the two flamers on top of the thing. I usually can deal with them relatively easily, and the ones that do survive, I simply charge with the repressor, leaving the girls inside completely safe. Yeah, that's smart. Yeah, and then that's also relatively cheap. Right, so oh God, yes. that's something that that brimstone horrors, if left unchecked, brimstone horrors will eventually die to. Um, so it, it's it's definitely not easy dealing with them because obviously, while you're dealing with brimstone horrors, you have an entire other army right to deal with as well um, because they're so yeah. Cheap. That's the scariest thing. You deal with the brimstone horrors, thinking you took out something good of your opponents, and they're just like thirty points. Okay. Yeah, so so the name of the game is being able to deal with them as efficiently as possible um, and getting in their face, because they, they can't really hurt you. Um, the Malefic Lords and stuff, the stuff behind the characters, like the Heralds and the Malefic Lords behind them will hurt you, um, so you kind of have to like like just take that in the face. Um, but as Eagle Queen said, I flanking them is also a smart idea, because um, if you get around them, you can just charge those characters and kill them, so you have to, your opponent has to deal with it. Um, but if you attack from multiple threat vectors, so like uh, you charge in the middle and then both ends. Eventually, one of those units is going to get around and kill the characters. Um, so it's just it's just all about patience. Um, if you don't have the tools to wipe out all the brimstone horrors, uh, do your best to block them and keep them uh, immobile, um, and then just play the objective or table the rest of your opponent's army. Um, yep. Yeah. Tabling is a very, very efficient way of winning. <laughs> uh, it's actually uh, funny enough. I've I've been playing sisters like nonstop. They're they're my tournament army now. They've won me so many games. It's ridiculous. And my primary win condition is I don't even play for objectives anymore. Like I'll get my objective cards and be like, okay, I could potentially get that objective. Whatever. I'm gonna table you. Yeah. Yeah. No, they're so good. Uh, this game. It's so 
especially if you don't have a lot of line of sight blocking terrain, uh, this game is very, very fast. Um, it's, I love it. Die. It's over turn three. Yes, and things die all the time. Like nothing, nothing is unkillable. It's not like last edition where you had like a battle company that was impossible to table, um, or a Death Star that was unkillable. Um, you, things die in this edition all the time. Uh, nothing is unkillable by any means. Though Magnus with a three up invul and rerolling ones comes extremely close, you can still more well, wound him to death. You see, I have this one saying on my channel. I hate Magnus. <laughs> I hate him with a burning passion. And I hate that one of my fans sent me a body pillow of him. I sent you a Magnus the Red body pillow? <laughs> yes. That's... Guys... <laughs> They know awesome. how much I hate this character. I have hated him since his conception. I hated him in the fluff. I hate him in 7th edition. It took me 1,500 points of sisters to take him down last edition. This edition, I can actually gun him down really easily with uh, just Melt-A-Spam. Mm -hmm. But still, he's extremely irritating. Yeah, Magnus Magnus is um definitely fun. Speaking of of body pillows. If you guys want to send me a Reboot Gilliman body pillow, um, earn some PD Pop brownie points. Uh, I will, I will m make it worth your while, um, in one way or another. So, th yeah. that aside, um, moving on to Nurgle, Nur the Nurgle demons. Oh, are you gonna skip the flamers and screamers? Oh, I, I guess I guess I'll talk about them. Sigh. I'm just joking. The flamers, so the exalted flamers are characters, um, and they have last cannon shots, eighteen inch range last cannon shots. Uh, a common, a common army that I saw at the beginning of eighth edition, at least in my local meta, uh, was a ton of brimstone horrors, zinch heralds with the staffs, and uh, exalted flamers behind the brimstone horror wall, so you couldn't shoot them. Um, and it was really hard to deal with, if you, especially for people who didn't know the addition um so exalted flamers are really good uh because they have the character special rule which is easily w being under 10 wounds and having the character special rule is winning the lottery this edition um like bellicor who we'll talk about at the end of the book uh screamers did get worse um they still are really good being able to move 16 inches and uh do mortal wounds on a six to enemy units is really good which means they can always hurt things <clears throat> uh they're a little bit more expensive um but screamers aren't bad they're they're something you might want to consider if you need like a fast mobile uh melee unit that like definitely needs to kill like a few things uh flamers also they can tie things up forever in combat yes yes they they can um they don't have a shooting attack so the fly rule is wasted on them a little bit uh but they they can definitely go out there and just tie things up in combat too if you desperately need them to Right, so if your army, if your opponent has like three land raiders, uh, you can just send the screamers up there, and they just charge land raiders, um, and then those land raiders aren't shooting for the rest of the game unless the screamers die. Um, and then the burning chariot, which has an exalted flamer, but doesn't have the character special rule, um, so it's not, it did not win the the chaos demon chariot lottery. Uh, you. It's it's okay. It's not. It's basically a mobile last cannon platform. Um, it's definitely not better than the Herald Chariots versions. But uh, if you if you're feeling feisty, summoning a burning chariot, um, summoning a burning chariot in your opponent's lines with the last cannon shots plus the the lamprey bite screamers attacks that you get with it, 
um, can be really hard to deal with. Uh, it, it's only toughness five, and but it does have eight wounds, and it has that four up indwell. So it's not. It can be really annoying. I think they're also really cheap too, as well. Okay. Any final thoughts on Zinch demons? I hate them. You hate them. You, you know, it, it, aren't you... Do you also hate corn demons, too? No, ironically. Yeah. Uh, what don't you like about Zinch demons? Are they just sneaky? They're just a bunch of nerds. They're just a bunch of nerds. <laughs> no, I just don't like how... I don't... How to put this? I like a game where I can trade units with my opponent. I don't like a game where I have to spend the entire time killing a, a freaking bubble wrap. Yeah, yeah. Zinch, unfortunately, Zinch demons. That's kind of, that's kind of just what they are right now. Um, so I understand completely. Brimstone horrors <laughs> are a bunch of nerds, just sitting there with their four up invulns, being all lame. And then they have Magnus, and I, I hate Magnus with a passion. <laughs> Who is the king nerd? All right. The one-eyed nerd. <laughs> okay, moving on to Nurgle Demons. Um, the, for Nurgle Demons, uh, basically the name of the game is uh, you, their HQ choices are all really, really hard to kill, obviously. It was the same edition, same way last edition. Um, if you bring someone like Scabathrax from the Chaos Index, uh, who who is insanely hard to kill, um, usually they're really good at having, like, one Scabathrax distraction Carnifex model um, that kind of goes up at your opponent and forces your opponent to deal with it, but it's also like impossibly hard to kill. Um, that's usually one way to start with Nurgle Demons, um, and then you can follow that up with like Plague Drones um, or the uh, if you're running Death Guard with Nurgle Demons, the uh, new Blight Drone Flyer thing that came in the Dark Imperium box set, the Foated Foated Blow blight drone whatever it's called um you can follow the your big distraction card effects with other smaller units that are also really hard to kill um and that's usually i feel like that's a strong way to play nurgle uh the heralds of nurgle are are really strong because of the plus one strength characteristic to friendly nurgle demons within six inches of them um that that can be helpful if you want to take your plague bearers up to strength five and then wound knights on a two with the plus one to wound power. Um, so that can be really good if you have like 10 plague bearers attacking a knight, wounding it on twos, that that could eventually hurt the knight. Um, and obviously the Herald Nurgle is a character with the smite rule, um, which is very popular. Uh, and we talked about Nurglings earlier, um, but basically uh, Nurglings, Nurglings are, uh, they're, they're, I, th I feel like they're actually the, the second best troop choice. And if Brimstone Horrors didn't exist, they would be the best troop choice in the Chaos Index. Um, you can do a lot of interesting things with them. Uh, you can infiltrate them up and create a bubble wrap farther out. Um, so the reason why I use Space Marine Scouts as a bubble wrap is you can actually infiltrate scouts so that the Space Marine Scouts, so they are 18 inches away from your line. Um, so your opponent cannot deep strike between them and your your main gun line um and then that 18 inch range plus the combined nine inches away from the scouts means that your opponent is is deploying like 28 inches away from you um if they want to deep strike um which means you're going to be out of plasma gun range period right so nurglings are really powerful in that regard they're cheap 
you can infiltrate them and create a larger bubble li- bubble wrap um, that stops alpha strikes. And if you listen to last week's pod- uh, podcast, being able to stop turn one alpha strikes is key and very important. Um, so I think people aren't taking enough Nurglings. And then obviously you can summon them too, which is helpful if you want to summon Nurglings on an objective. Uh, they're hard to kill. They're relatively hard to kill. Um, and they can they can just take the objective. So. See, when, whenever I see demons on the tabletop, it runs down to two things. Nurgle are going to hold objectives. Zinch are going to be the big distraction. Corn is going to be the attackers, and Slanesh is going to be used. Oh, don't say that. We're we're coming up to Slanesh next. <laughs> I know, but but it's their psychic powers are good. Like if you're going to play Slanesh, play the characters. Yes, I agree. Um, but moving on to the beasts and the plague drone, the beasts and Nurgle and the plague drones. Um, plague drones are still really good. Uh, they were good last edition. Um, they you know they were able to fly around. They're kind of like the screamer. They're kind of like better screamers and that they're they're hard they're harder to kill um they're still just as killy uh um well i guess they have two damage attacks they don't do mortal wounds um but uh they get a lot of wound rerolls um and they get the with their instrument of chaos they can get plus one to their advanced charge rolls so plague drones are 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 a really good uh efficient durable fast unit that you can just fly around the board and deal with things. Um, I actually think they're better summoned, even though they're power level 7, so it's a little harder to summon them. Um, but b- summoning them and then putting them in a position to succeed is a lot better than moving them around the board and potentially um, getting them out of position. Because uh, they, they are less of a uh, blunt instrument, more of like a, a Swiss army knife, or not even a Swiss army knife, like a scalpel, um, in that they they don't do a lot of killing, so you can't. They're not super killy, so you can't put them against things like Magnus and Knights. Um, but they're very important that they're fast and really durable. So you want to use them to like kill. You want to put them in spots where they would win the battle for you, right? So if you have like if you're fighting with your opponent over an objective in one spot of the area, you would want to send blight drones in that direction, and then the blight drones might turn the battle. Um, over time, right? So they might not wipe out your opponent's unit, um, but they will help enough to to win you that objective, and they'll get there quickly. <clears throat> and they don't represent a huge investment of points, um, so you're not devoting too many points and resources to that one area. Um, so they're good. Uh, beasts of Nurgle, they're beasts. Um, I, I like that. I like that they. Uh, they can perform heroic interventions like characters because um, they're like these beasts and Urgle, like these like happy dog things right right they're you know so they're like oh look uh there's a there's a person to play with and they like go jump at them um so the heroic intervention that is absolutely horrifying just letting you know <laughs> a like, little just a little these bit happy yeah. little bloated monstrosities are just like I'm gonna give you a hug, and I'm just like, nah, nah, that's cool. That, no, you, no, no, go away. Yeah, and then they get killed, and they're sad. They're like, why did that Space Marine Chapter Master not want to play with me? It's okay. Nurgle just recycles them anyway. That's true. Um, uh, and then finally, the uh, demons of Slanesh. Uh, there's there's a lot more in the demons of Slanesh than the other demons, which is which is cool. So that they get a little bit more options. Um, but, uh, the, starting with the mask, um, last edition, the mask was really powerful. 
um, for stopping Death Stars uh, because you know you limited their movement to D three inches. Um, you, it's not as good. She does have the changeling ability um, with the, where you subtract one from any hit rolls that target demonette units within six inches of her, but it's only in the fight phase, um, and it's only demonette units, uh, which is, you know, yeah, they kind of missed the ball on the mask. Yeah, you, you, uh, the Eternal Dance, I I probably could have been a little bit more intense, um, because you're only, you're only adding one, you're only making a a unit easier to hit, um, but, like, when she dances, you're supposed to be, like, you're supposed to become comatose, right? Like, it's not just like, oh, I'm, I'm, like, you know, I'm kind of weak and easier to hit, you're, you're supposed to be paralyzed when she dances, um, which doesn't really come off in this in her rules. Uh, so the mask you might wanna might wanna leave at home. Uh, Keeper of secrets aren't that great though. The chaos named character uh, Forge World Keeper of secrets is really good um, and is actually really cheap. Uh, their heralds are powers are are psychers once again, so you can smite spam with their heralds, uh, and you can give them plus one strength to Slanesh Demons, which, within six inches, which is not, it's not plus one to hit, it's not, it doesn't make them a little, it makes them a little bit more efficient, in that they can, like, wound knights on a five-up, instead of a six-up, in some cases, um, but I would say that their heralds are probably the weakest heralds of all the heralds in the book, uh, and the Secret Chariot is pretty good. It has, it has six attacks, um, that all do, oh wait, hold on, so, there's a reason why I highlighted the Herald of Slanesh on the secret chariot, uh, that's what it is. Um, you make four additional attacks with its lashing tongues on top of your six attacks, um, so it gets ten attacks in close combat, um, which is crazy. And it's of course it's a it's a character with under ten wounds, um, so that that can that could be pretty cool. That's like a meat blender in close combat, just killing things like brimstone horrors efficiently. Um, anyways. Uh, Fiends, so demonettes are are okay. Um, they're the worst troop choice. They were really good last edition. Uh, being able to get plus one attack with larger units of demonettes is strong, um, though you do have to increase their power rating. Um, and demonettes aren't that good at getting up the board, um, even even though their movement has increased. Um, so I would say that demonettes are probably the worst troop choice. Um, but having plus one attack, so they all have three attacks each, is pretty good. Uh, and then obviously they still have the rending rule, which is cool. Um, so on sixes they're definitely doing a wound. Um, so the, they're they're you can use them to kill things, but making them hard to summon with twenty or more models is a little bit more difficult. Um, and then finally we have the rest of the fast attack choices and the one heavy support choice they have: the uh, fiends, the seekers, and the hellflare are all just really fast close combat meat blenders um fiends are really good because they can prevent units from falling back um so i would say that summoning and they're also two power level um summoning a, a unit of fiends of slanesh's fiends of slanesh and tying up like something like a land raider or a knight might be really strong um so i would keep them in mind when you're summoning uh ego queen are there any thoughts on the slanesh non non-herald um stuff like it's if you take the forge world stuff it's good 
but everything in their book so far, it just seems like the other three gods do better. Yes, I agree. Um, with the exception of the fiends of Sonesh, which I think are, are the best choice that Sonesh demons players have. Um, oh yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, just, just being able to prevent something from falling back for a low point cost um, is really good. Uh, but I think you're right. I think other than their psychic powers, um, everything that they do can be done better by the other gods. Uh, there's something to be said about 20 demonettes charging like a vehicle. Uh, and Oh on... yeah, they'll wreck a vehicle. It's just, there's... Getting them there and, you know. Yeah, because if you, if you start them on the field, they're just going to be blown away. If you summon them in, you're going to need a really powerful summon. Mm -hmm. And that could be used on better units. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, I agree 100%. Um, and then finally, we have the big bad, Bellacor himself. Uh, I, we don't need to talk about the smaller demon princes and the Furies and the Soul Grinder. The Soul Grinder is pretty much the same as it was last edition. It's a big, tough, shooty, close combat walker. Um, there's nothing super special about it. Uh, and then Chaos Furies are Chaos Furies. They're, they're uh, cheap and kind of irrelevant. Like they were last edition, um, but Bellacor is the big you, thing here. Go ahead. I find uh, I find uh, Furies funny though. I was playing uh, Ultimate Apocalypse the other day, uh, Dawn of War Ultimate Apocalypse, uh -huh. and like I saw the Furies, I'm like, what are these things? So I like looked through the books and everything, and I couldn't find anything on them. Like I was googling them, and no one had images or anything of them. <laughs> and then I found out that it's just bad chaos demons, and I was just like, oh, huh. Wait, they're just okay. They're just bad chaos demons. Yeah, like, like they're just they're just like the bad boys of the chaos demon universe. No, they just no one uses them. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they're not. Yes, it, it's just like with Vespids. I I saw my first Vespids model like two weeks ago. I had no idea what Vespids looked like. Um, and I finally found the one, and they are ugly. <laughs> they're yeah, they're, yeah. They're they're not they're not pretty at all. Um. But they've just been bad for so long that I've never seen them, and no one's ever taken them. Um, but Bellacor, Bellacor is really good. Um, you're going to see a lot of Bellacor. He is a character with less than eight, ten wounds, um, so he he won the eighth edition 40k character lottery. Uh, he has a three damage attack that's AP five in close combat with six attacks hitting on twos. Uh, and the the big thing is, is he can reroll. You can reroll hit rolls of one for friendly demon units within six inches of him. Um, so he's that good buff. And then he can reroll failed saving throws and cast two powers um, from the Chaos Space Marine Codex. So he he's essentially he's a character that's imp really hard to shoot at that can still summon um, that buffs all Chaos units around him. Or I think it's just Chaos Demon units. Triple check that. I want to make sure I get that right. And yeah, all friendly demon units within. So, so he can he can summon things, and then his buff buffs the things he summons, um, which creates an internal synergy. Uh, he's he's a little bit he's 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 like expensive character price wise. Like he's not like overly expensive, um, but he he's. I think he's fairly costed for what he does, um, but just having a character with that much versatility and durability is is really strong so a lot of people i see a lot of people running like 
demon prince spam list with Bellicor, and then Bellicor buffs all the other chaos demons, chaos demon princes around him, uh, and then moves up the board with his unkillable bubble, and then puts like maybe 200 points in reserve for summoning, and then summons units behind him to hold objectives. Uh, so that Bellicor is really strong. So if you have, if you're, if you're like running like a Slanesh army. Um, and, and you need like a little bit more punch or you need like a character to build your list around, um, because you, you know, you're having trouble like dealing with things and making your army more efficient, uh, take, consider taking Bellicor because Bellicor can make any demon army better. Um, and you don't necessarily have to, uh, change a lot to make him better. He can just kind of organically be good on his own. Um, then that, that's pretty much, that's pretty much it for the chaos demon side. Um. Yeah, Bellacor is just amazing. He's like, so there's good. there's no reason not to take him. That's the biggest thing. Yeah, especially in a demon in a demon army like a pure demon army, um, you definitely want to take him. Um, and if you're having trouble winning with with demons, um, I would probably switch around a few points to bring him. Or uh, better yet, you can you can take out a bunch of things, um, and then just leave your army with like the bare minimum it needs to stay on the board and deploy with oh yeah uh, without then, a doubt yeah and then keep and then take like an extra character or two and then spend the rest of them in reserve points um and then from there you can just summon your army out um because he he does really good as like a mobile like demon gunboat summoning gunboat thing like he's like every time i see bellicor he's always surrounded by his posse of little troops and like another demon prince and they just move around the board deleting units and summoning things in their wake uh and then when he finally like decides to unleash himself from his bubble he like goes out and charges something and then he's really hard to deal with because of the reroll save rules um so you know keep that in mind um though he isn't he can still get killed uh so you might want to be careful with him um depending on certain matchups so you kind of want to use him wisely uh, but he is just he's just really good he's, there's there's not much i can say about him he's an undivided chaos demon prince so bringing him shouldn't be too much of a problem um and that's that's it now one last faction we'll talk about very briefly uh renegade knights um there's not much to say here uh, I see a lot of people running double Gatling cannon. Um, I think if you're going to build a Renegade Knight list, or if you're going to play against a Renegade Knight list, uh, you have to keep in mind that the battle cannon is, I think, the most efficient one um, because you, the double battle, the double rapid fire battle cannon with the heavy stubbers, um, essentially gives you the most horde slash tank killy output damage output, um, and you can just spend command points to reroll the d6 number of shots, right? So like, oh yeah, yeah, it's it's. It's really good. It's really points efficient. Uh, and then generally what I see people doing is running like two Avenger Gatling guns and then uh, running another knight with two Avenger Gatling guns and then running one knight with double battle cannons. Um, so you can do that. But I think if you just run all, if you just go all double battle cannons or if you're looking for uh, a fire base support unit, um, like you're like if you're like a Slanesh demon army and you don't have a good long range you know, unit that's very durable, like a like a double battle cannon knight. You can bring them, and it can kind of like clear bubble wrap for you at a really long distance. Uh, it can kill tanks, so you can charge the units inside. Um, it's just a really versatile unit that you can bring to your army, um, and you can even cool. You can make it all like Slaneshi and stuff. Uh, but it, for renegade knight armies, if you wanna if you wanna bring them, um, I would 
suggest just going bringing at least one or two double battle cannon knights and then go with the rest gatling guns um don't take the thermal cannon it's not worth it uh but if you want to use them to supplement your army um one double cannon battle cannon knight goes really far it goes a long way to helping your list do well so yeah that's that's that covers the knights i mean they're relatively cut and dry yeah there's not much there's not much going on there um uh, obviously, at the Bay Area Open, the Knights didn't do very well. Um, so the big bad Knight Boogeyman ha- has been laid to rest, uh, which you know a lot of people were worried about Knights when they first came out because they are so point sufficient, um, they were so hard to kill, and they were so powerful. Um, now, now that objective games have been short out, uh, Knights are just they're really strong, but they're not invincible, um, which is cool. It's right, right where you want them. Um, anyways. That that's pretty much it for the Chaos Index review. Uh, overall, I I would say that the Chaos Index is probably with the Chaos Space Brains probably like the second best index, um, just because Brimstone Horrors are so good and the Chaos Space Brains. Um, I hate that it cool comes stuff. down to just a crap unit that just so happens to be like the best thing in the Codex. <laughs> it's really it's they have a lot. Like, there's a lot of good psychic powers in the book. If if they wanted to make Brimstone Horrors fair, they should just make their Invo save a six up, and yeah. it would be completely fair across the entire battlefield. Yes, yeah. I, I didn't I didn't want to. I wanted to save the Brimstone ranting for for the end of it. Um, but yeah, I they need like and their toughness three too. It's like you know the pink horror model is clearly bigger and tougher looking than a Brimstone Horror model, but they have the same toughness. It's like yeah, it doesn't can't quite sell me on it um uh so i think lowering their toughness um and lowering their invuln save is definitely a way a way to make them better um because it honestly their invuln save is the the biggest culprit so you could make them like toughness 0.5 right so even like strength one things are winning them on twos um and you know make them like five wounds each or five points each or like 10 points each they'd still be really good because of the four up invuln um you know so, uh, hopefully they get resolved sooner rather than later. Um, other than that, there's a, a bunch of you guys who send me army lists, and I still do uh, army list reviews if you email me, frontlinegamingpdpab at gmail.com. Uh, I am a little bit behind right now. There's a lot of people been sending me a lot of emails. Uh, the Bay Area Open sent me a little bit behind, so just be patient. I will get to all of you guys' emails. Um, and I have to say, I've seen some really interesting lists that people are coming up with. Um, and I'm, I'm really excited, uh, when seventh edition, when I asked for list reviews, uh, a lot, I got like a lot of the same stuff. I got a lot of like, look at my battle company list. Isn't it, isn't it cool? And I'm like, yeah, oh. that's a, that's a dark angels battle company. Like, oh yeah, that's a, that's a space marine battle company. Um, but I hated that. I hated last edition. Seventh edition was garbage. It was at the end. It was really, it was really tough, really tough pill to swallow. Um, but this edition I've, um, you guys have given me a lot of cool, unique creative lists um that i'm really like and maybe one day i'll share them all with you guys um but anyways stay tuned um for my kid hammer interview where i interview someone who is bringing kid hammer to nova which is uh an event where children get to learn how to play warmer 40k and as we all know children are our bright future um so it is important to foster them and get them early into the hobby so that our hobby can continue to grow um that and children are awesome. I have one of my own now. She's adorable. As soon as she's old enough to say the word ultramarine, she's, she's going to learn how to play 40k, whether she likes it or not. 
Knowing your luck, she's going to say Tau Empire. No. She's going to be like, Tau? And I'm going to be like, no, Gilliman. She's like, Tau? I'm like, no. It's it's going to happen now. This, it's, I'm, I'm going to, it'll be like Sleeping Beauty, um, where I keep her away from the Tau Codex her whole life and like, like to stop her. And then she's going to like wander into some place in a basement somewhere. And there'll be like a dusty old, like, fourth edition tau codex and she'll be like ooh, and then she'll pick it up and then she'll be like daddy i want to play warhammer and i'm gonna be like no uh anyways um is there any is there any final thoughts you want to add to the end of the episode ego queen um okay so a while ago i made a tier list for just common meta in my area just not really like tournament scene but more common where i saw everything and I grossly underjudged the demons. I really thought that they were going to be a pushover army this edition. I completely missed the ball on that, and I got tabled because of it. Ooh. Don't um, underestimate your enemy. Yes, uh, especially demons. Um, the as a faction, they're not the most powerful faction. A minus brimstone horse. Um, with brimstone horse, they are one of the best factions. Um, but if you take away brimstone horse and take them holistically, uh. They're not the best faction, at least like like at first glance. Um, but they're really versatile, and being able to summon is like their deep striking. Like that's like their, you know, jump pack, your grab, shoot, drop, or teleport strike or whatever, right? Well, like that's... it's also a mid tier. Uh, it's a mid game. Uh, a mid game. Uh, how to put this? How to put this? How to put this? It's a mid game sideboard. Yes, which is strong, which is really strong. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so they, they kind of bring that toolbox. Um, a lot of people aren't summoning, um, which I find strange. Um, I think more people should start summoning. Um, I think people are shying away from it because they're not free models anymore. Um, but summoning is still really powerful. And especially when you take into account that factions everywhere have deep strike ability. Right, like that's that's something that's becoming increasingly more common. Um, demons don't accept for summoning. That's their only real way to deep strike. Um, so you have to use that to your advantage. And it's like quote unquote deep strike because it's like it's like different deep strike. Um, but it's still the same philosophy. You're moving them. You're you're making them appear um, somewhere outside of your deployment zone, uh, and they can charge immediately, but they have to be more than nine inches away. So, anyways, I would just use summoning a little bit more. Um, I don't think enough people are using it. Uh, and their psychic powers are amazing. Their their psychic powers, combined with the Chaos Space Marine psychic powers, I think their index has the best psychic powers out of all the other codexes, or indexes. Because um, you have like Warp Time, Prescience, uh, the Traitor, Zinch Power, um, the Slanesh ones are all really good. You have a minus access to a minus one to hit. Um, you have the... the smite or mortal wound spam you have pretty much everything you want out of your psychic powers all in one faction right on top of having the cheapest and best psychers in like heralds and malefic lords uh, and magnus the red right so the chaos index is extremely powerful um uh and you know definitely shouldn't underestimate it <laughs> so <laughs> all right okay guys um ego queen if someone were to listen to this podcast and have and enjoy the sound of your voice um, and your your uh, uh, dare I say it chaotic way to tackle to tackle tactics, um, where would they find you? 
Uh, you can find me on Twitter, Facebook. Uh, I have my own Discord and YouTube, of course, all under the name of Ego Queen Alexis. I do a lot of, I cover pretty much everything. I cover lore, I cover video games, I cover uh, battle reports, I just sit and rant for a while. I really love all aspects of this hobby, so if you want to see anything related to any of that, please come and check me out. Yeah, and uh, another thing, real quick before we get going, then I want to mention about Eagle Queen's channel. Um, she she consistently surprises me with her knowledge of random things in 40k, no, no matter what they are. Like, <laughs> she's just like, oh yeah, uh, you know, fiends of finesh are this strength and cost this many points, and I'm just like, oh, that was. That was random. If someone were to ask me on the spot, like, you know, how much, uh, f how many legs a flesh hound of corn had, right? I don't know. It's probably four, but I might be completely wrong. Um, the point is, is uh, uh, I, I like listening to her channel um, for the random bits of information that I that you just randomly get. And also, she's entertaining and fun to listen to. Um, also, Thank you. Adeptus Podcastus, uh, which is your co-hosted podcast that you can find on YouTube. Um, so if you guys want to listen to more of Ego Queen um, and get more holistic 40k goodness um, that's not just tactics focused, I do highly recommend her and Adeptus Podcastus. Anyways, guys, don't forget to email me. I love all of you. You guys are the best listeners in the world. Have a good one. Take care, everybody. Love you guys. Bye. And then it's Stephen Duall. Uh, Stephen Duell. Steven like the fight duel. Steven duel. Okay. Got it. All right, everyone. Welcome. Today, I have with me Steven duel, and we're going to talk about the future of our hobby. Uh, yes, we're going to talk about the young ones, the bright apples in our eyes, the future of Warhammer 40k kids now steven is running an awesome event at the novo open and i'll let him explain it a little bit more um but basically he's working on getting kids into the hobby so steven go ahead and explain that a little bit more yeah thanks um you know first of all i guess you know you you nailed it right there it's sort of the future of the hobby as i see it is that i think a lot of people um you know i did you get started as a kid or did you get started later on in life? Can I just uh, ask you that? So so my my love for Warhammer 40k started uh, when I played StarCraft. Uh, I was really into the blue marines, the starting faction, uh, the Terran. In the very first mission, your marines yep. were blue. So I was really, really into the blue marines. Um, hint, hint, I play ultramarines now. Uh, but when <laughs> I was a kid, I was maybe about 12, I played a lot of magic. I thought I was a hotshot magic player. And I saw an APOC game one day when I walked into the store looking for a magic pickup game. Um, and I saw the APOC game and I was like, oh my God. And I, I still re vividly remember everything. I remember uh, a defiler standing on top of a tower. Um, <laughs> I remember a rhino. I remember the blue space Marines, which is why, which is what really drew me to the board. Um, and I also remember a, uh, uh, back then, um, I think it was, I think they still had it. It was either the blood, the, the, the Lord of Skulls, I think is that's what it's called. Yeah, it was, it was I huge, have one of those. Yeah, yeah, it was a huge Lord of Skulls. I was like, "This is this is awesome!" Like, you know, there's like this claw monster thing on a tower, and it's shooting at dudes. There's blue space marines. It was it was amazing. <laughs> um, so as a kid, I really liked it, but I personally didn't know where to start. And all my friends played Magic, um, and it also 
yeah. if I had, back then if I had known how much it costed, I definitely wouldn't have been able to get into it. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. So 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 basically, I, I as a kid, I saw it. It was, it was maybe like twelve or thirteen. I was like middle school, early high school, um, and then I didn't get back into it until like I until like two years ago, you know. And then I finally I. I I saw it again. A buddy of mine was playing it. He was nice enough to give me his blue ultramarine army, which was poorly painted, but it was still blue, and it was space marines, and, and he gave me my first army, like 2,000 points. Hunter, you're wow. the man. Yeah, he got me into wow. got me into the hobby, and here I am now. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I decided, you know, I was an adult. I had the money. I had the time. I really wanted to get into it, so I just jumped into it full force. I sold, like, $3,000 worth of magic cards and just went into wow. it full force. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah, but well, yeah. basically, you know, that story is so typical, I think, of what I'm hearing about, you know, when I talk to people about getting kids in the hobby is somebody say, yeah, that's how I got started as a kid. And they tell, you know, a, a story and it, it, you know, um, basically what we want to be is, is, is Hunter, your friend Hunter, who got you started, is that the kids come in with a great sense of wonder. I mean, they see the models, they see the people playing and they, they, they love it. But, you know, I think, you know, you probably agree um, you know, miniature wargaming, particularly, you know, you know, 40k, uh, at least in seventh edition, was took a little bit of uh, a helping hand to get people actually started playing because it's not, you know, um, you know, you know, really easy for a kid just to walk into a store, pick up a box of models, and get started. So what we did in the Kids Hammer when Age of Sigmar broke out, and um, I have kids of my own. I have uh, two boys who are. 14 and 12 and I have a daughter who's who's uh who's who's nine and um and uh um sorry actually she's not nine she's she's younger than that <laughs> but um <laughs> oh I know hopefully wife's not listening to this the kid doesn't have good age but um uh, it's the summer um but yeah I had the kids on my own and we got it started the boys started uh playing um you know walked into a store and we they, we, we did pick up a box of the, the dark vengeance and got them started and they loved it um, but it became really apparent to me that, you know, they needed parental help. They needed someone to help, uh, get them along. They, they didn't have friends who, uh, picked up. So, uh, I started playing with them and, uh, I hadn't played for a long time. I played D and D when I was younger, uh, back in the day, but I, I wasn't a Warhammer uh, player. So I kind of learned with them, um, how to play, uh, Warhammer and probably for the first year of my Warhammer, Warhammer, uh, career. I never uh, played a game with anyone over the age of 10. Um, <laughs> but it sort of gave me, a, you know, looking through their eyes of how they approach the hobby and how to how to get into it. And um, it's great. I mean, I, I, I fell in love with it, um, you know, both for the, you know, just the the stories and the the beauty of the models, but also this is a great social activity. Um, you know, since that time when we got started, I, you know, majority of all my friends right now are people who you know, I keep in touch with are, are people I've met through the hobby. And it's been really great for the, the boys, too, because um, it's, you know, gotten them into uh, a social network that's outside of video games. There's nothing wrong with video games. I love video games. But it gives them a chance to do something, you know, off of the, the screen time and the phone. And um, it's gotten them to hang out with people who I consider to be really good role models. And uh, um, it's also been a great source of family time. Um you know, the boys and I, you know, play regularly with my group of friends. We also, when we're going to talk about Kids Hammer, don't worry, in a moment with their group of friends. But, you know, we've taken, we've, we've been out to the LVO three times the last three years in a row, uh, taking the boys out on a family trip to Las Vegas. And, um, 
uh, you know, we, we played in 40K, we played in Age of Sigmar, and um, it's just been a great family activity. So Kids Hammer is sort of my way of saying, okay, I've been there, I've, I've, kind, of, I've kind of walked up partial way up the mountain, I want to help um, kids and also parents you know, learn from from whatever experience I have to help. So, um, you know, the one thing, you know, the, what we're looking, kids hammer, you know, is, is a term I came up with because you just, you know, beer hammer, you know, kids hammer, it's kind of, you know, all goes together. Um, so first of all, there's, you know, the local club we've been doing since 2015 that we meet at a local game store and um, we meet on two Sundays a month. And, um, you know, we play Age of Sigmar and I chose Age of Sigmar because when it came out, it was like, oh, free rule set, a reboot of the game. Um, you know, the, the sword and sorcery is something I think all kids can, you know, relate to and maybe understand a little bit faster than they can understand like the Horus Heresy and, um, you know, some of the complicated fluff that goes with, with 40K. And at the time, you know, um, you know, uh, it was really, I think, an easier game to get into than 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 than, than 40k uh, was, and so we started playing, and um, you know, we've been going strong ever since then. Um, you know, coming up, you know, it's two years now, and a lot of kids have gone through and learned how to play now. Um, so what we look to do at a, you know, at, at at Nova this year is to run a two-day camp, so to speak, for for kids, and what it will day one will be. Sort of open gaming and coaching on how to play. If you know how to play already, great. We'll have a lot of people who can maybe teach you some new tech, uh, new tips, and get you to play better. If you've never played before, that's great too. Um, you know, uh, we'll we'll teach you how to play right there and then. We're also going to do a one-hour uh, seminar on how to assemble models, just because you know, honestly, one of the things I find with kids is they get this box and there's a bunch of sprues in it, and if you're not, you know if you don't have someone to show you what to do, the kids kind of really don't know what glue do I use? How do I get these things right, off? Do right. I, um, you know, it's, it's intimidating. Um, so we're going to walk them through that. And then we're going to do an hour seminar also in the day on how to paint them. You know, it's not going to be, um, you know, a golden D mint standard, but we're, you know, we're going to teach kids how to, you know, get <laughs> three color minimum on them and, uh, and make them look semi decent. And um, then on day two, um, we're going to do a, a friendly three-round tournament, and uh, you know, have the kids have a chance to do a little organized play, and uh, you know, play against their peers, and um, learn that aspect of the game too. Because I, you know, it, it's 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 going to be basically everything you know, everything you need to know to get started in the hobby in the two days. So nice. Uh, yeah. So we're, you know, so I hope people. Um, I know a lot of people are probably at this point going, well, I don't have any kids and, and uh, you know, I, or I have kids, but they're so young that, you know, they're not going to play and they might tune out on this. But I, I hope they don't because, one, um, even if you don't have kids, if you know people who have kids, brothers, sisters, relatives, um, any way that you have kids, if you can help spread the word about it, it would be great to have a, a good turnout for um, for Nova. Anyone certainly on the East Coast, DC is very easy to get to. It's the uh, Saturday and Sunday of um, Labor Day weekend, uh, this September second and third. And um, you know, as I say, it's like maybe today. You know, if you look at the gamer sort of demographics, you know, I think a lot of you know the gamers are in their twenties, early thirties. Um, and I'm already seeing it in, in the group that I play in locally is that a lot of them are now beginning to have families and, and beginning to have 
kids and family responsibilities and uh, you know, sort of having been there and, 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 and gone through that, um, you know, having a strong, you know, kid component to the hobby will make it easier for gamers themselves to be able to continue playing as they get yes. older. So, um, you know, I know you have a, you're, you're, you're a new parent, right? Yeah. I've got a daughter. Um, and, and I, I do agree with the, the future that like kid, if kids stop playing Warhammer 40 K, uh, eventually you would have old dinosaurs playing, um, and the hobby would die. That's just yeah. in the long run. That's just exactly what would happen. Um, so you need stuff like like the Kid Hammer. You know, you need stuff like Kid Hammer to get kids into the game. You need stuff, uh, community support uh, to outreach to more people who maybe have kids or more people who want to get in the game who are in their early twenties who are going to have kids in the future. Um, like you also need things like tournaments, uh, GW promoting. Like it's every everything every community thing we do. No matter what it is, if it if it's uh, helping veterans, helping kids, yeah. tournaments, everything we do, period, will bring more people to the hobby and make the game better. Because the more people in the game, the more money GW makes. You know, maybe the more effort they put into certain things, uh, the more vocal we are as a community. It's it's a larger game is nothing but will bring nothing but good things. Um, and that's yeah. what Kid Hammer does. Yeah, and that's you know it, it, I've always seen you know, looked at Warhammer as larger than just a gaming thing. It really is a, uh, a social, uh, yes. a, a social thing we're building. And, you know, I, I, the people who I, who I've met, whether it's at LVO, whether it's at Nova, whether it's a local store, you know, 90% of them are some of the, some of the best people that you want to meet. And, um, I think it's great to, you know, anything we can do to, 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 to build that community, um, only makes the hobby stronger, only makes, you know, uh, a society stronger. And so, you know, I think getting kids into it and showing, hey, look, here's something you can do um, that's creative, that requires math skills, that you know requires imagination, um, that requires good sportsmanship, that requires human interaction. Uh, why, why? Let's do that. I mean, that's um, it's 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 a win-win for everybody. Um, so, you know, part of the thing at Kids Hammer is, you know, we want to have, you know, the parents if they can come. Uh, with the child, we, we priced it in a way that makes that uh, affordable and and and, and encouraged, mm -hmm. because I think part of the, one of the things we do in, in the Kids Hammer Club is um, there is a financial and a uh, you know a, just a, a skill level challenge to getting kids started because the the models cost money and they take time to build and paint. So what, what I did in my club is I just bought a bunch of of War, Warhammer fantasy models at the time when you know there was a transition to Age of Sigmar and a lot of people were selling them cheap on on eBay. I just bought a ton, and um, you know I provide the models when the kids play. So when they come in and they say, "Hey, I want to play," it's not like, "Okay, well, you know, first of all, work on your list, and then you know, price out, you know, which models you want to get in your army, and then come back in in a month when you get it all ready to go." No, I mean, they come in and it's like, you don't have to bring anything. I provide dice. I provide, you know, nice. the, the scenery, the models are all painted and assembled. About a thousand points is what we, we play at. And um, the kids then, you know, have their armies that they want to play with. Um, they're all loner armies during the day and they will be loner armors at Nova too. So kids who want to come uh, and learn how to play, they don't have to bring their own armies. If they want to, they can. That's great. But if they want to borrow an army, uh, we'll have... You know, armies there available for all the kids to play with, um, and that's really helps get the kids 
into the hobby because a lot of them will then go out and buy their own additional units that they want, but they're only building and painting one at a time rather than saying, Oh, I got to get through, you know, 40 clan rats. Right. Um, you know, <laughs> Oh no. The, yeah. The, there's no, no faster way to get someone out of the hobby than say, here, paint these 100 models. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I went to LVO and I played a, uh, plague bearer list and I think I brought like 60, 60 plague bearers. And honestly, um, I lost a will to live after oh, about no. painting the 40th one. <laughs> There's only so many times you can do green with, uh, right. <laughs> with, 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 with box, but, um, but yeah, so we, we do that. We do that for the kids so they don't have to do it. And, uh, they love it. Um, you know, they love to look at the models. I mean, they, you know, the models just are, 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 are so evocative and they, the kids really latch on to it. Um, but you know, that having that parental support, that adult support to help the kids get started, um, I think it's key to having it take off. Um, if you just, you know, give a kid a box and, you know, and the rule set and say, okay, go learn it on your own. Um, you know, I, 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 I think that's a, it's a little, it's a little intimidating for the kids. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know, maybe we were just, you know, when we were younger, we, we were a little different type. Cause I don't, you know, I, I certainly never, when I was playing D and D back in the day, I mean, I never had any parental, um, uh, help with that. I had a lot of support. They, they, you know, they would, you know, take me over to my friend's house, or they would, you know, certainly, you know, you know, encourage playing the D and D. But they never actually played themselves or, or got involved. But I think today, you know, parents are just more involved with their kids' lives than they were before, which is, you know, both a good thing and 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 a bad thing. But, um, you know, in this case, to help them you know, to get started and to give them a little extra, you know, certainly, you know, I think financial support to get started, but also just a little helping hands when they're trying to figure out some of the rule aspects of, of um, putting together lists and, and how to, and how to play the game, you know, at a, at a, you know, at a, at a, at a, at a, at a more than just purely casual level. Right. So yeah, that, that's, that's great. Um, I, I, I like the fact that you have kids and adults um, and a tournament, tournament organized like Nova, all working together to provide this experience. And you said, like you said, it was a two-day experience. Um, so if you guys are in the Nova area, in the Washington D.C. area, uh, around the time of Nova, which I believe is at the end of August, I, I want to yep. say it's the September August thirty-first. Yeah. August thirty-first through September third. Yes. And Kids uh, Summer's the last two days, the second and third of September, which is which is uh, Labor Day weekend. Perfect. Uh, so if you have kids, uh, you probably m maybe might have Labor Day off. And if you do and you've got kids and you want to show them 40K and you're listening to this podcast, because I assume if you're listening to this podcast, you probably play 40K. Um, or, you know, I won't discriminate. If you are a youngster, 8, 9, 10, who lives in the Washington, D.C. area, and you want to ask your parents to take you to Kid Hammer to show you what show, – maybe show your parents what it's like to play Warhammer 40K, um, I, I, I will not – I will help you – convince your parents that warm 40k is a hobby <laughs> to get into just just and saying. if there's any <laughs> and if there's any new you know parents out there who you know are, are you know or would be interested in sort of learning sort of how kids hammer goes first of all there's there is a website uh, www.kidshammer.org which is our local club uh one not the nova one uh, specific to nova uh it's the more general kids hammer one that can sort of give an idea of how you know, we do events and um, the kind of models that we have. And, and, and it's going to sort of be a resource both for kids, but also for adults who might want to replicate this in local clubs around, you know, around you know, their local area. 
Um, and then of course the Nova, um, Nova open.com for the, um, you know, for the Nova open itself. So, you know, hopefully anyone who has any interest should be able to find the information and, uh, you know, be able to, you know, you know, bring this out and, and certainly, um, you know, it's something that is, is, can be replicated, you know, wherever, wherever there's a, a local group of gamers. Nice. All right. Speaking of new parents, before I let you go, Stephen, I myself am a new parent. I have an eight-month-year-old daughter. Her name is Arabella. Wow. She's adorable, but she probably is a little too young to play 40K right now. Um, yeah, maybe a little bit. So I, I've had this request a few times from people uh, it, it, from Facebook and from people sending me emails. Um, what, is, what are some tips you would give a new parent uh, who's trying to balance 40K and tournaments with, like, family time? Yeah, I mean, I think the first thing is if, you know, if you have a significant other, you know, um, who's, you know, you share your life with, you need to, um, first of all, you know, be honest. I mean, this is something you enjoy to do. I mean, if you have a relationship, you know, it should build people should accommodate each other and what their interests are. And if this is something that's important to you, it's okay to, to say, okay, look, I, I want to block out this about a time to, you know, do the hobby. I mean, of course, always be, you know, courteous of the other person's time, but, you know, be upfront that you, you know, you like to have this time and maintain your friendship. Cause I can tell you, I think it's particularly with guys, once you start hitting, you know, your thirties and you have a family, I mean, your life is going to be basically your family and your job, and you're going to risk losing a lot of your friends. And I think for, for guys, I think guys maybe in particular, cause we're not really good at, you know, relationship stuff. Um, if you don't have, keep in touch with your friends, you're soon going to find yourself kind of isolated, you know, and that has all kinds of other, you know, bad side effects. So I think, you know, keep, you know, being honest with your, your significant other and saying, look, you know, I need this time to, you know, keep in touch with my friends and it's a healthy thing and it's good to have that kind of interaction. So, you know, when the kids are very young, that's going to be tough because they're going to put a lot of demands um, on your time and they're not going to be able to be, um, you know, participating in the way that, that you, you know, that, you know, you would fully want them to be, but that eventually goes. And when they start getting older, you know, in, you know, close, getting close to, you know, eight, nine and 10, they can start actually beginning playing and participating with you. Again, it's like, you're not going to be doing a lot of, you know, um, 10, eight, 10 o'clock at night to, to, to midnight, you know, games of, <laughs> with them. Um, but if you can, you know, talk, find a couple friends who are probably going to be in the same boat and say, Hey, look, um, you know, uh, coming over and play, um, your kids are the same age, maybe they can play together. If not, they can have a play date and just do something else while we play and, um, you know, make it a, a family, uh, type of event. But, um, you know, it doesn't, it, 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 it it's tough when the kids are very young and, you know, trying to get, the, you know, trying to fend the time in, but, I think as long as, you know, you're open about what your needs are and, you know, and do it in a way that takes into account the needs of the other person, there's no reason why you can't still, you know, um, find time for, for, for the hobby. And, um, you know, the other thing is, you know, how the kids, you know, um, you know, share that with you. If you have models and I remember talking to, to, to someone recently and they were saying that they gave their kids some of their, um, you know, spare models and had the kids paint them. And yeah, they, probably did not do a, a great job on it. I, yes. But, but yeah, but it's still, it, it, it's still time together. And, um, you know, it, it's, 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 you know, it's any time you spend with your kids, um, it's, it's time well spent. And 
there's no reason, you know, the hobby is, is lends itself to it. If, 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 you know, it, it's just, you have to be, you know, match it to what their, the kids abilities are. Once they get, you know, I know I have teenagers, um, at least my two boys are, and, um, you know, they had the most interest. My daughter has played, um, age of Sigmar with me, but she's, you know, less, you know, she, all all around personality wise she's more of a of a, of a snacker when it comes to hobby she'll do yeah. this for a little while and that for a little while she doesn't really have a, a you know you know something she sticks with a lot um but my boys have been playing with me now you know for you know for about three you know three four years now and um you know um you know at some, some point they probably won't i mean they're going to move on to other things too and that's fine um you know kids you know, are, are going to, you know, want to try all different things and they may have a burning interest. Um, sometimes that's one thing I can say is like, sometimes your kids, when they get into it, they'll get into it really big time and they'll want oh, to yeah. buy, you know, everything. And you have to kind of sit on them a little bit and say, okay, well, let's, let's do it. <laughs> let's build and complete these ones first before we get, you know, the, 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 the towel, um, you know, right. tide wall, uh, model. <laughs> or a Thunderhawk uh, or something. Yeah. Or a Thunderhawk, yeah. something like that. Um, <laughs> But, you know, uh, you know, but there could be a time when, you know, like right now, you know, I, I play my, primarily with my adult friends and that's sort of the backbone for the kids because I'm always into it. My wife has come to grips with the fact that I'm no longer doing it for the kids. It's, 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 it's my, it's my hobby, um, you know, and I play with, but, you know, the kids, you know, when we do a game night, you know, I always, and it's not a school night and I try not to schedule them on school nights, um, you know, the kids you know, come and they play and, and, um, you know, uh, you know, if we play at my house, they'll play as long as they want to play and then they'll go off and do something else. But if we go out then they'll play, um, with the adults. And I think that's, that's good. I mean, we do, you know, for the kids hammer events that we do at the, the local store, you know, we do have a separate area out for the kids and it's kids playing kids, but, you know, we try and now looking at doing it also, we're moving outside of the store to a community center and you know, with that bigger space, we have the kids' hammer going on, but at the same time, we have 40k and Age of Sigmar going um, with adults playing, so they can take a look around, around and see, you know, the armies and the tables, and get to meet people and be part of that that community. Um, you know, it's it's that's really important. It is it is part of the community. Nice. All right, Stephen. Well, thank you very much for your time and uh, for running this event. This is a very important event. Um, and it's important to the Nova community and the warmer for 40 K community in general. Uh, and thank you for coming on. Yeah. Thank you for having me on. And, uh, thank you for the Nova folks for letting us do this at, um, at Nova open and, um, you know, um, love what you guys do. I've been listening I'm coming up on a year, right? Cause it's, it's, I think you're episode, you're, you're in the fifties now, right? So you must be coming up on a year anniversary, or at least on the age of Sigmar side. I mean, obviously the 40 K stuff has been going a lot longer, but it just seems like the volume of you guys, you know, material you put out is just fantastic. So well, thank you. Um, yeah, Chapter Tactics is going to hit a year in September. Um, oh, which is, September. Okay. Yeah, which is coming in quick, coming in hot. Um, and then uh, the Age of Sigmar podcast, the Ninth Realm, I believe, started a little bit before Chapter Tactics. Um, yeah. Or maybe a little bit after. I'm not sure, but but yeah, in, in about three or four months, both will hit a year. Um, and then Signals has been going on forever. They're on 500. Seven, yeah, thing. yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they've been on a while, yeah, it's just fantastic. I mean, it's long, long commute time, so it's great to listen to you guys uh, during the drives, and uh, you really help uh, pass the time and, and learn a lot more about uh, about uh, what's going on in the hobby. So, thank you so much for, for doing that. No problem. All right, guys, thank you very much for listening once again, Stephen. Thank you very much for coming on, 
Have a good one, everyone. Thank you.